Hey, yo, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the role podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. A little off camera. We got Alex Heisey in the building. Big shout out to Never, Never Forever. We have a special, special co-host. We got two special co-hosts. Mm-hmm. One is a, a legend, a GOAT in, in, in nightlife, in clubs, in everything in New York. He's one of my favorite, a lot of motherfuckers' favorite DJs. And I'm so glad that he, I'm honored that he could be here with us. We got DJ Goldfinger in the building. Yo, what up, world? Yo, Goldfinger's in the building, and we have another world tour DJ over here. Ah, here we go. We have G-Easy <laughs> DJ DJ Quiz in the building. Yeah. Yo, what's up? And now we have a big, big guest. I'm so psyched to have him here. I'm honored to have him here. Me and Quiz, have been, I've been working on this. <laughs> We've been working on it. I've been speaking about this. Like this is like my years. bucket list ever since I started this mm-hmm. podcast with the homies. I said, this is top five guests that i wanted on the show thank you and, and we we finally have him here you know he's been in radio and he's held the tri-state area down for almost 30 years Fact. from 98.7 kiss hot 97 wbls to serious facts known as el presidente big spanish That's me baby <laughs> you know the leader founder of the heavy hitters dj crew thank you family born and raised in flatbush brooklyn brooklyn's definitely in the building in right the now. building yeah. it's in you the know, building yeah. today you know we got DJ Enough. DJ Enough yeah, in the baby. building. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey. All right. What's All good? Right. God, I'm, I'm so honored to have you here. Nah, I'm glad you guys have me here. Yeah. Thank I, you, I, bro. See, I ain't like, know it was that serious. Quiz, what are you doing this Tuesday? I said, I'm there. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. See how quick that was? <laughs> you guys made it seem like it was three years. He said, what are you doing this Tuesday? I said, I'm here. There you go. Right, you want to come do this podcast? I'm in, I'm in there. Let's do it. <laughs> it's been it's been a minute. We've been working with see like you don't even know behind the scenes. Yeah, We've we been, been talking trying. to different people that have been trying nah, to reach out to you. So good. It's all all the way to like Miami cuz my boy Raul in Miami is oh. cool. You know what I'm talking about, I, right? Absolutely. And he's cool with your wife. Absolutely. And y'all be coming to Miami. He's like, absolutely. "Yo, I'm I'm gonna try to do it." Yeah. So as, as soon as Quiz locked it down, Raul in Miami hits me up and he's like, Yo, enough is down Tuesday. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, it's funny. I'm, I'm so glad. we. You know, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think one of the things I want to personally talk to you about is like in the 90s when I was growing up. Okay. You know, High 97 was obviously a big part of like, you know, my upbringing with hip hop mm-hmm. and everything. And one of the first times I remember hearing you on Hot 97 mm-hmm. and it was like such a change. It was like, you know, cause Funk Flex was always on Hot 97. Mm-hmm. And then I remember hearing you and then I remember like, you know, I was, I was young and it was like talking with your homies on the street with, with the fellas. Mm-hmm. And we would have these discussions like, who's better, Flex or Enough? Mm-hmm. You know, we'd be like, who's Flex? I got that my whole career. Yeah. Your whole career? <laughs> my whole career with Funk. Yeah. We'd be in front of the bodega just talking like, yo, who you Flex? And I remember, I remember like, I would just, do, I'd be like, yo, enough. Enough is like, yo, enough is killing right now because I was like, yo, man, he's the only dude that's on the radio playing dancehall and reggae, mm-hmm. like prime time and killing the sets. And they're like, yo, you got a point. Like, he be, mm-hmm. he be killing it with the dancehall and the reggae. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get them dub plates from Jamaica. And, and when I came straight from the island, I went straight to the station and bust those dub plates wide open. Really? I felt really excited about things like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you would go to the island? You would go to Jamaica? Of course. Wow. You know? Yeah, man. Shout out to Sharon Burke. Sharon Burke was the first promoter who actually booked me in Jamaica. So then I would meet all these legendary producers, the guys who did the the, the Wally rhythm, the guys who did the bookshelf rhythm. Right. I met them all. And I really? was chilling with them in the studio. And they would they would just line me up and be like, yo, all these all these dance hall artists are coming to the studio. 
they're gonna line you up with mad dubs. Usually they charge, but because you're DJ enough that you know you don't gotta pay nothing, just come to the studio. And I'd be just there in the studio, just sitting here with a drink in my hand, maybe a little maybe a L or something, and they just start going crazy. And then I got all this untapped dub plate music, and then I would take it to the States and then premiere it on Hot 97. Like it was like like new gold found. That, so that was my oh, and then wow. for me, to be honest with you, I just wanted to I wanted I wanted to get one up on like Sting or like uh some of the other guys in Brooklyn who were kind of making noise because they used to have this pirate radio station in Brooklyn called Wagwan Radio. Mm-hmm. And everybody in Brooklyn, Flatbush, Crown Heights, the East, they all worked there like to see that movement happening. Yeah. And it was exciting because the same energy that that young pirate radio station had was the initial feeling and energy that we had when Hot 97 first came on. Right. So I, but that's probably, it was exciting. It was just exciting to see that. Right. And it, but it's like maybe like the peak of like dance hall commercial level like crossing over and mm-hmm. like really taking over no, where it was, it was becoming deal. pop it was yeah. a big deal especially when you're speaking like the Diwali rhythm yeah it's a big deal man which was like up there maybe top five rhythms of it all has time to be. right yeah. so wait before you were at Hot 97 you were at 98.7 uh, yeah. Kiss my first radio gig was at Kiss FM Radio have you always wanted to be on the radio always that was my dream it was your dream yo when you when you walk when you woke up in New York City you heard Carlos de Jesus, mm. you heard Frankie Crocker, That's right. you heard Jeff Fox, yep. uh, Fred Bugs, Yvonne Mobley, you know, so yeah. Yvonne Mobley, <laughs> yeah. you know, Chuck Leonard, yeah. all these people ran the radio. And I remember them specifically because they did the commercials and they were also the hosts of a lot of the night nightlife and parties in the city. Right. Like when I went to Roseland for the first time, <clears throat> I think I was a, t- a teenager still. It was a teen party, but it was a big teen party. I got to see the Fat Boys turn into the Fat Boys from the Disco 3. I got to see AJ Scratch on the set with Red Alert. I got to see the Cold Crush Brothers on stage, like, doing Fresh Wild Fly and Bold. Like, mm-hmm. to see that as a teenager, and then to see, like, Crazy Legs down over here battling, like, half of Uptown and the Bronx, it's crazy. Like, that was the circle. It was bananas. From mm-hmm. hustlers to hip-hop icons. <laughs> so, wait, what is the main thing that attracted you? Just, like... The influence and just what it was capturing and everything. The first up? thing was just just the music. The music, of just course. the music, yeah. bro. When you grow up in you know in in any kind of like I guess ghetto or hood or whatever, music's everything. Mm-hmm. And I know, like to be honest with you, when I first started DJing, my grandmother was like, "What is this you music you playing? <laughs> what is this? Why don't you play salsa?" <laughs> like yeah. that was her thing. Like I was going against my culture. Like yeah. like you bad boy, you're not playing salsa. Like, everybody in our family, we listened to salsa music, but they didn't understand what I was what I was doing. Wait, were they supportive when you wanted to? Yeah, we always were supportive, but yeah. they didn't understand it until almost 15 years later. Wow. What was the, when was the point where they actually kind of understood it? All right, it was my dad. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I am now the celebrity judge on Freestyle Fridays on BET, mm. on Sixth and Park. Oh, wow, yeah. So I'm on TV now every week, <clears throat> right? And that became a big thing. So then one day I take the Hot 97 van to my dad's house to Nanuet. He lived in Nanuet, upstate New York. And I parked the van. And then all of a sudden we get a bunch of knocks on my dad's door. They're like, is there enough here? And they're like, and my dad's like, what? My dad, <laughs> my, my dad, I don't think my dad even knew my name. Yeah, yeah, you know, my dad, name. And then, and then my dad looks at me one day and he's like, what do you do again? And I'm like, 
I'm like, are you, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Mijo, I've, I've, been, I've been doing this for 20 years already, and you're going to ask me now what am I doing? But my dad was old school. You know, he was yeah, a yeah. firefighter, uh, a sanitation man, and, you know, he was old school blue-collar worker. So yeah. for him, it was like, you work hard, and then later in life, we'll, we'll try to figure out ways you could play hard. Right. But that was his thing. But his, this music thing, he was like, this is not going to amount to nothing. Yeah. What are you doing? You know, they all grew up like that, thinking that music wasn't going to amount to nothing. Because how many people, just period, I don't, even if you're not from the hood, how many people banked on music no. and became nothing? A gazillion people. So whether you're a singer, a writer, a, a guitarist, whether you're whatever, mm -hmm. how many people banked on being a musician and didn't make it? Right? A, a gazillion people. <laughs> Yeah, it just wasn't. It wasn't like a normal pathway no, for feasible, anything. No. And it wasn't. And you know, obviously, if you're first generation, they don't. They they want you to have a stable life. They want you to like. Yo, when I'm right, trying to do know? this, yeah, hip hop's not even on TV yet. There's mm -hmm. no movies. There's no TV shows. Nothing. So there's nothing to reference. I remember the very first, like seeing a, a, what I would call like a hip hop commercial, and it wasn't really hip hop. It was like them. <laughs> adding hip hop to yeah. it like a little break dancing a cartoon figure mm -hmm. and eat fruit loops and then the guys fruit doing the head yeah, lab or that you know like it's, it's that, that that comical stuff yeah, yeah but it was very inviting to a child who's 10 11 12 years old and you're seeing the the founding elements of hip hop on TV for the yeah, first yeah. time so you're losing your noggin you're like Barney Rubble with a gold chain yo it's crazy yeah all that <laughs> Barney Rubble it's real so wait, so like you're coming up to ninety eight point seven Kiss, and you like you came up, you were filling in for Red Alert, right? Right. In the beginning, right. So what what led up to ninety eight point seven, where where All you right. got that opportunity? All right. So this is how it happened. Yeah. Funkmaster Flex was Red Alert's apprentice first. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, and he was the guy who would. So Red Red was you know Red is like the king DJ on the radio. Right. Like there's nobody bigger than him in New York. Him and Chuck, they ran Friday and Saturdays on the mm -hmm. weekends. So Red did a lot of conventions. Like they had Jack the Rapper. They had How right. Can I Be Down. Mm -hmm. They had the BRE, the Gavin, all these different music conferences. Right. So every time he needed to go to that, he needed somebody at home to fill in the slot. So I was the guy. You so filled that it. Was, that was, so that was the birth of me, you know, I guess, learning about New York culture. Because I thought I knew it until I got to the radio. How so? Like explain. Because then that's like, like when you grow up, look, I grew up in Low East Side, Harlem, and then Brooklyn, right? Mm -hmm. But by the time I was doing the radio stuff, I remember there were, there were artists like M.O.P., right. there were artists like Jable the Damager, artists like uh, Smooth the Hustler, Trigger the Gambler, mm -hmm. um, even the Black Moon guys, Smith & Wesson. That was our backyard. Those yeah. were the guys that lived in the neighborhood. So uh, initially, that's what I was drawn to. But then across the water, there was these guys that were down like Rod Digger and them mm -hmm. and Eminem. What were they mm -hmm. called? Outsiders. The Outsiders. Like those guys were incredibly dope lyricists. But I didn't know where they were from. But I didn't understand it until the music started coming my way. It was like The Last Empire. It was uh, Rod Digger. It was Eminem. And then I'm missing one or two names, but there was somebody in those cl in those clicks. When you got to hear that music, you'd be like, "Yo, these guys are spinning." Young Z, yo, fire, right. fire. So it was kind of like I'm trying to figure out a way how to keep it entertaining but still keep it true to hip hop. Right. That was the hardest part. 
So when, so what got you in a position and what got you on the radar for you to even get the opportunity to get on 98.7? Well, I was doing these clubs. Yeah. And I remember doing with Red, I did the brand Nubian album release party at the Octagon. And that was my big, my first big night was really the place, it was a place called the Candy Store. It was, it was a made up party from uh, this kid named Tuffy, who was the host of Video Music Box at the time. Mm. Now, Tuffy ran with a bunch of promoters and people, whatever, and he came up with an idea and said, yo, E, I need you to do this party. It was him and the Love Brothers. And they were like, we want you to DJ with this party, a Sunday night hip-hop party in New York. Never been done before. Before the tunnel, before anything. So we go before, before Sundays were like, because in New Nobody York. Nobody partied on a Sunday. Nah. Yeah. But, but, but like, Not in hip-hop. But like Sundays in New York at one point became the standard for every hip hop yeah, night. Yeah. You know, so this is way before this that. This is way shit. before that, right. So anyway, I get a phone call from the local guys in my neighborhood. They call the Love Brothers. Mm -hmm. This kid named Jose, Eric, and uh, Castro. They all, the, the, they're the Love Brothers, but in real life, they're the, the Delgado Brothers. And they were like, he remembered the, he remembered the mix I did one time. It was like, it was like uh, maybe like sucker MCs with like after seven some 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 shit I did. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, "Yo, can you do that blend again?" And I was like, "I didn't understand where this is coming from." <laughs> but he's like, "Do it on the on a cassette and, and, and let me get that." So then I, I did that mix and a couple of records, whatever, put on cassette for him. He took it to his brothers, and that was my tryout tape to be their DJ for the night. Wow. So before that, you were kind of just like doing was, local shit. Local right? shit. I was yeah. the homeboy around the way who didn't leave the block. He was a neighborhood. Yeah. The neighborhood DJ. Yeah. That's wow. who I was. That was like your, your Q juice tape, right? That's that it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. You had the gloves on and everything. So then we get there. Yeah, you local. Yeah, you local. And this that is one. Sunday night. There's probably 20 people in the party. Mm. The following week, another 20. The following week, maybe 50. And we're like, what's happening here? Three weeks in a row, I'm DJing. I didn't get paid. Nothing. So I'm over here like, the hottest party at the time was Thursday nights at the Red Zone. Good this tomorrow. was, Yeah, but anyway, it was just crazy. Like, Wait, what was it? It was the, the, like the daddy's house party. Right. If you're saying. Oh. Yeah. So <clears throat> Thursday nights was the party. And I think Kenny Ken was doing the door. And Kenny Ken's one of them club kids. The club kids ran the clubs, and that was the way it was. They, they wore funky boots and platforms, but they ran the clubs, and they had the, best, they had the best houses in the city. At this point, hip-hop is only in little hip-hop rooms, not the whole entire clubs being played hip-hop. No, we go to a big club. It could be whatever, but if you go to the back in the little room, that holds like maybe 50 people or 100 people, that's where you play hip hop. Separate entrance. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. it's true. That's, that's kind of like what New York City was all about. In Manhattan, right? In Manhattan, primarily, primarily Manhattan, yes. So Manhattan wasn't ready for hip hop yet? No way. They were, they were against it because it attracted us. The right. guys who wore the sheepskins, the guys who wore the jewelry, the guys who wore their hats backwards, the guys who wore their sneakers with no laces. Sorry. They had good reason because at that time you had like clubs that was like popping, Latin Quarter, um, uh, Underground. It was mad right. violence. Mad violence. Uh, so they was like kind of making sure that they kept their shit so it would be like, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So it was a bad rap. There That's was the bad, bad shit bad, going on. Bad rap. Yeah. So anyway, I come up with an idea. This is where my marketing skills kicked in early as a DJ. So 
I'm I'm figuring. All right, guys, you guys are not giving me money. It's already. This is the third week. We go into a month now. I'm doing this for you guys. So I'm already pissed off. I'm like, I don't want to do this shit. Right. You know, they were supposed to pay me three hundred bucks. I'm like, for me, I would did it. I would kept doing it for free at that point. Yeah. But I'm like three hundred dollars. Three hundred. Jay, that sounds like I'm a, like today's race. That's a lot. Of, that's, <laughs> no, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of bread. Anyway, so I decide to get with Tuffy. We go to this Thursday night party at at the Red Zone, and it's like a New Jack City party. Like there, it's, it's like Christopher Williams is there, Wesley Snipes is there, the whole cast of the damn New Jack City is there, and it's a big party. And I'm going around making me, I'm looking like Christopher Williams in my in my suit, because <laughs> the suit thing was a little bit popping back then. Mm-hmm. Like I remember my early parties, I used to I stood on a nice jacket, a nice tie, because the New Jack Swing was the biggest thing. Heavy D was big, right, Teddy right. Riley was big. I'll be sure Christopher Williams, they all had suits. And that was the look. That was the vibe. Mm-hmm. So anyway, me and Tuffy decide to print out 300 comp tickets. Oh, shit. For our next event. And we hand them out to everybody at that New Jack City party. Mm-hmm. The following Sunday, I go to the club. And we were supposed to open at 11. And by 10.30, there was a line around the corner. Oh, shit. I'm like, oh, it worked. So that night, everybody from Shaba Ranks, De La Soul, Showbiz and AG, Nice and Smooth, oh, wow. they're all at my party. All these famous icons, everybody I grew up listening to was at my party. And I remember I, I said this on the uh, on the uh, Juan Epstein podcast, so forgive me for you saying it twice, but I remember Dougie Fresh kind of like sunning me and schooling me at the same time. Really? Because he's like, why you DJ like that? So I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing wrong? He's like, you got them too up. You got them going too crazy. Mm. You got to do this roller coaster thing with them. If not, you're going to burn them out. So I didn't understand what he meant. Right. I really didn't. I thought he was just hating on me. So I'm like, in my mind, yo, here is the greatest entertainer in the world right here busting my bubble about how I'm DJing, where I'm clearly looking at the crowd and seeing everybody go shit bananas. But he was right because that would only last for 10 more minutes. So you got to pace yourself. You got to pace yourself. Right. I didn't learn that. It's about like the whole, the arc of the whole night, right? Yeah. You got to bring it up. Yeah. Down, bring it up. That's then it. They go to, they go to the bar, they get some That's drinks. That's it. They come back. I didn't understand that. I was just right. on turn the fuck up mode and I wanted that to last for four hours, but yeah. it wasn't going to last. <laughs> hundred for four hours. Yeah. Guess. That's what it was. But I was, that was, the, but those are things you learn. Right. Look, when Goldfinger's here, I'm going to say this about Goldfinger. Goldfinger's the first DJ that I've really watched play for women mm. like strategically for women and I never understood that and I was like why is he doing this but I, under- <laughs> but, but I understood it later <laughs> but I understood it later because he was playing for the women because the women run the party man yeah. you play mm-hmm. for them guys are gonna dance anyway because they're chasing the pussy right exactly. so exactly. Goldie Goldie was ahead of his time about strictly playing Goldie for the, the women <laughs> nah it's true he's, he's, he's guilty Goldie was probably complaining about that shit from jump he's guilty about when he was going that. to clubs like how come they ain't playing for the women right <laughs> yeah but you know like I learned from doing a block party so you kinda gotta get everybody you know to corral everybody in first right the only way you can do that is you get the girls you know what I mean so at the time what were you strategically <clears throat> playing like early on, so you like, yo, I'm gonna get the women into it first. Anything that the women wanted. Anyway, like, because that stops the yeah. it, a, a, a pissed off female is gonna piss off a, 
her boyfriend or the guy that's trying to get some ass. Right. Yeah. Then they're going to be like, oh, he's whack because she's not going to give me no rhythm. Mm-hmm. If she's happy, everybody's happy. That's mm-hmm. it. So and the guys think they get, and the guys think they actually have a chance. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Wait, so yeah. so you started building a name from these clubs and the, and from that party. Yes, that kind of launched your name. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And then so you caught the who'd you catch the the ear of at 98.7 Kiss? Was it a program director or Red Alert or no, It was Red himself. Red himself. Flex left to start High 97. Mm. And we all looked at him like he was crazy. Right. Because at the because time Because he was with Red. No. Oh no. Because at the time, Hot 97 was a dance station. Right, right. Freestyle and shit. Freestyle, yeah. dance, Judy Torres. We're like, the fuck you going over there for? We're not going over there. We're playing hip hop. Right. You going to the dance station? Bah. So we, you know, people laugh at Flex. Like, what, what, what is he going to do? But this is the fucked up part that people never talk about. The black programmers in America did the same shit that everybody did. It was like, hip hop's a novelty. It's not going to work. Mm. I don't give a fuck if you was from D.C., Texas, California. They wasn't showing it the love they were supposed to show it. It was the white boys who did it first. That's a the fact. white boys were the ones to put hip hop hip hop on 24-7. And we're not talking about K-Day in L.A. We're not talking about the AM dials and some of those early stations. We know they were. The, we know they did it first, first, yeah. first. Wait, wait. So let's... I, I remember we, we had the Baker boys on. Right. And they were saying that they were the first commercial radio station to play hip hop, like really on, like kind of just like backpack underground hip hop. I believe and that a, to a certain degree. To a certain degree, because but then a lot of East Coast motherfuckers and New York motherfuckers was like, "Yo, you crazy!" Like mm-hmm. we that shit was everywhere. And I'm kind of thinking about it, like on a commercial level, like we had college radio, we had underground That's radio. Right, you did like that shit may have been around for a while, but you know, on a com- like on a commercial level. Right. Where it was like not like a mixed show kind of thing, where it was like regular shit. Yeah, like I don't know if we if we had that. If I not, not the bigger order. boys were big, bro. They were yeah. big. They yeah, were yeah. Big. They I think were they might have beat. They might have beat New York by maybe a couple of months. They were mm-hmm. big in L.A. They were big <clears throat> in Miami. They were big all over the all over the place. But that's kind of crazy, right? That that like L.A. or Cali would beat. Well, New York, New York. It was it was it was, it was so in New York that they had heritage stations. Like Kiss was a heritage R and B station. WBLS is a heritage R&B station. More R&B adult. You know what I mean? Like right. black station. So when Hot 97 flipped, they were flipping from a basically a mainstream pop Latin. It was like they took over for KTU, right? So Hot 97's license is a rhythmic license. Okay? So we technically were supposed to be playing rhythmic music. Mm-hmm. So, anything, what is that technically? It's like Rihanna, Neo, like Pitbull. rhythm and blues, R and B kind of. No, right? no, no, rhythmic, more like dance. Oh, yeah. dance, dance. Okay, it's more okay. dance. Our license is considered dance. And then, for many years, when when Power One Hundred Five came into the marketplace, because we ran shit for so much, so long without no real competition, mm-hmm. but then when they came, they were kind of just created to be a. Uh, yeah, take, a thorn in our side. Yeah, because they were really created just to protect Z one hundred. Yeah, that's all it really was. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. So they were never they were never really slated to be anything. They were just created so that way we we could just just take a couple of points off the board every month, couple that's of months. It. So Z one hundred could always that was be our, that was our only the king of the only city. Job. Yep. Really? Yeah. 
That's some like it's weird, right? That's some like presidential campaign shit. Yeah, it is. It like, is. How to, how to like? They won't say it, and Z100 or yeah. Clear Channel or iHeart would never admit to it. I'm gonna tell you something. Truth. I was on Power 105 when it first came. Yeah, that's right. So they told us directly, like, we're not really trying to put a bunch of money into the situation. We just need a nice little joint so we can have like Z100 a decoy to, to be it. the number one. Exactly. Dang. You said it right, like a decoy. That's crazy. So it was just enough for them to be rattled to where they had to kind of focus on us a little bit mm. and take a little bit more of their resources away from yeah. them going at Z100. Mm-hmm. That's that was crazy. That's crazy. Because my early days of radio, I remember listening to the radio stations. I don't care if it's PLJ in New York, KTU in New York, Hot 97, BLS. They played a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But then as, as radio became so dominant and then the genres of music became more popular, they stopped doing that. They wanted to focus on something specifically. This is the station where hip-hop lives. This is the station where R&B lives. Yeah. This is the station where dance lives. Because they can control the ad dollars it was, better They were trying way. to do that. By doing that, they know exactly where the money was going to be, you know, place that. You it's know, almost like they, they can get more specific demographics. 100%. Yeah. yeah. On, on, like, what the crowd and who the listenership is, and then right. they can get better ads. Ad, right. Damn. That's great. Yeah, so anyway, I'm fucking right. I don't know where you want me to continue, but... I'm doing this brand new, brand new beam album release party. Yeah. Red's the main DJ. I'm the opening DJ. And then Red goes to the bathroom. And I, 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 I you know, I step in to hold him down for a little bit. I didn't do my job. Mm. I did that same shit again. I got them excited and crazy. He's the, he's the headliner. <laughs> I'm supposed to just. You're supposed to be the opener. I'm supposed to just. <laughs> Keep it nice and easy while he You're goes to the bathroom. Supposed to be the opener, huh? You burn red alert. You burn red alert. Oh my god! Man, I didn't mean to do that. I was just doing me. You know, so you know that this is a problem even now to this. Yeah. It is there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the so, opening. So I had to learn. I didn't learn. I didn't, you know, I learned eventually, but initially that was that was my. But at the time, innocently, mm-hmm. at like being a young DJ, what were you thinking? You, you didn't think you were disrespecting, right? Not at all. I was nervous if I didn't have the people dancing. But but in from your perspective, thinking back, were you just like, I want to I wanna do my thing? Or, yeah, that's it. Or well, we, he was more nervous about losing the room from what it sounds like. That's it, yeah, that's because Red left. Yeah, so he's if like, Red leaves, from here? and then I'm in charge, and no one's dancing when he comes back. Right. The ball, I dropped the ball. Dropped the ball, yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck? So what it read? So you damned it, if you do, you damned if you don't at that particular point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I, so like when Red came back, what did he, did he tell you something? Or? Red didn't tell me something. <laughs> His homeboys told me something. Like the violators. The vi- yeah. oh man, they, you know, <laughs> they told me something. They were like nicely. Or? Like, yeah, they did it nicely oh, because okay. they know I was fam. Right. All right. But it was like, yo, he's supposed to just you know. I'm like, oh my bad, I didn't know that. But then Red got back on, and then I didn't finish DJing. It was I was done after that. So all, right. I was like, all right, cool. Time's up, little man. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so it was it was that party and a few other parties that we did together. And then Red felt like I was ready. But you learned after that. So when when Red went to the to the took another bathroom break again, how did you approach it the next time? You just kept it. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. Flowy. Sit. Keep it steady. Sit. And, nice but did and you easy. also have to learn what was the nice and easy keep it steady yes, records? Yes, of course. Right. It's like R&B was always the cool out stuff in the beginning. Right. Yeah. The build up to, you know, the, the hip hop because hip hop was always the aggressive stuff. I remember in the 90s, hip hop was, even though it was still fun, 
it was aggressive. Mm-hmm. Red MF were loud. The Onyx guys were loud. Of course. Yeah. Everything was loud. Right. It was just loud. That's the way it was. Do you remember what was at the time when you when you when you when, when Red went to the bathroom break? What was one maybe one of the biggest records? Oh man, I don't remember that. Nah. <laughs> Cause back then we played classics, we played hip hop, we played reggae and dance hall, you know, mm-hmm. so it was a lot of stuff we were playing. Right. I, I could have took them everywhere. And that was the best stuff too. It like was. that early ninety. Yes. What? There was a party I was doing on twenty third street. It was called Spodiotes. I don't even know where the hell that this club's at. Spodiotes? You know where U Haul the U Haul truck is whatever they park on twenty third and between eleventh and tenth? It was right on that block. And I was at that party DJing and then Red came to me. He had his poopoo juice in his hand, which was Myers rum and pineapple juice. That's what he called poo-poo world juice. famous. That's, that's his favorite drink. I'm like, what is this? Myers rum is a Jamaican rum. Yeah. And then pineapple juice. That was his drink. So he has his juice in his hand. He comes to me, hey, I want you to, you know, work with me over at, at Kiss FM. Oh man. You ready to do this for me? Mm. So he's asking me the question, but I keep I keep playing him like, yo, get the fuck out of here. You're bugging. You're drunk. That's how excited <laughs> I was inside. But I couldn't believe it. You need to reassure him. So you're like, yeah, I couldn't. I was like, get out of here. Like, you're bugging. So all night, I'm I'm like, fuck out of here. He's bugging. But then towards the end, when we were like packing up and he's like really serious, it's quiet. There's nobody there. He was was just chill. He's like, I'm really serious. All right, if you don't come by tomorrow, I'm going to give it to somebody else. So I was like, oh, shit. Wow. So I had to take him up on his offer. And I went. What a moment. Life changed. changed my life. Yeah, life changing. That's crazy. What did you, what'd you do? Like what you like when you got home and shit? Were you able to sleep? I probably shit. shit I probably shitted on myself. <laughs> <laughs> you never got home. I'll be honest right. with you. I was probably just shitted on myself. It's such a big deal to be on ninety eight point seven Kiss. At that Yo, time, think about it, guys. There's know? no podcasting. There's no Spotify. Nothing. No title. No internet. There's no, no Apple nothing. Music. Yeah. There's no nothing. Radio is everything. You were like the voice of the city. It was everything. You know? Especially yeah. Kiss FM. That's major. Everything. Kiss FM was so big. It was like back in the days, they used to have the, the Kiss van. Yeah. They had the Kiss car, like a membership. The stickers. Like it was yeah. The bumper stickers. They would go to all the schools and it was Kiss FM outside playing mm-hmm. music. Yeah. So when Enough got on the radio, that was a big fucking deal. It was a big deal. That I mean, was a make, big You make the whole, your, your whole crew proud, the whole block crowd. Yo, the whole everybody thought I was black for the first three years of my life. <laughs> everybody. They were like, yo, Enough is black? He's Latino? No, when we found out that you were Latino, we felt proud. We were like, oh, it's one of us. Because we didn't have no real Latino DJs out there that that looked like us and represented us. So I was like, oh, shit. No, no, I got that too, man. They were around, but I just forgot. You for real? You for huh? real? You Spanish for real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh shit, enough for Spanish. We're good. We thought Felly Fell was Spanish for a long time and he's not. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so Felly Fell is like Creole or something. He's like Greek. That. A Greek Creole yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that. But he, we thought he was, he looked Mexican. So well, I, was I like, thought it was. <laughs> you know, we're, like, we're like, yo. But then when we found enough was, I was like, all right, cool. So then you holding down 98.7. You're at Kiss FM. You're holding that down. I had my job literally, if if I'm lucky, three months. Oh, three months. That's it. It was. It didn't. It didn't, it didn't last that long. And then because some Hot 97 ended up buying Kiss FM, mm. so they shut down all the contracts. They shut down all the whatever it was. So then, at this point, I'm literally working 
for the Kiss FM street team. I'm driving a van, like he talked about. I'm going up and down to in stores, and I'm bumping music really loud. And, you know, it was just, it was a thing. It was really a thing. And then I worked I worked for the promo team, and I was like, this is the last job we could give you. After this, it's a freeze. We can't do no more. So in 90, I think in the end of 94, in December, I think it was literally my last show. And I get this fax. <laughs> Yo, a, a fax. A, a, ra- a fax comes through the radio. Yeah, and it, it, for you guys to know what fax is, it's, 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 a, it's a piece of paper that comes through the internet lines. Yeah. It looks like a copy machine, but yeah. it shoots it with... So anyway, it's these promoters from Switzerland, and they're trying to book DJNF to do a a gig out in Switzerland. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. But initially, I was like, what the fuck I'm gonna do in Switzerland? Yeah. Because in my mind, I'm thinking of Switzerland. You know what I'm thinking of? Mm. Cheese. White girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blue eyes, blonde hair, yogurt, cheese. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yogurt, cheese. And, yogurt, and cheese. Chocolate. Yogurt, cheese, and chocolate. Yeah. That's what and I, the Swiss that's, knife. <laughs> that's what I thought about. I'm like, what? They, they, they ain't gonna like hip hop when I, when I go out there. Mm-hmm. When I go out there, go to a city called Lausanne. And this is, this is what changed my life too. I do the party. I body the party. This is fucking like one of my best parties I ever did in my life. And the crazy shit is they don't even speak English. Mm-hmm. They speak French. They speak Dutch. They speak all these different languages. But they knew, <coughs> they knew Guru. They knew Jay Rudder Damager. They knew fucking Smooth the Hustler. P Rock. They knew all that. Sh- they yeah. knew everything. All the foundation hip-hop. shit is Eric. Is so I'm like, big. what the fuck? So you. So were you like playing? And as you were like playing, you're like, let me see if they know this. And then you drop in. You're like, oh, bro, shit, they, they know everything. And then you're like, let me see if they know this. And you're like, they know. And then yeah, it's like, wow. Crazy. Wait, you? How many crates did you bring? Or how did you know what to bring? Probably like eight at the time it's crazy eight we, crates yeah we probably had mad overages on weight but we didn't give a fuck they paid for everything they paid right? for everything yeah how much do you remember how much you got paid for that what was it? that was probably like two thousand three thousand dollars at that time that's crazy damn yeah do you remember how many how, how like how many people it was how many people came with you yeah eight crates one by lot. myself really no I didn't have no entourage at that time with eight crates wow yeah. Yo, Damn. bro, when you get That's booked, brave. they they have everybody. They got guys who carry your crates. They got mm. guys who carry your robe. They got guys who carry everything. <laughs> your <you>. robe? <laughs> yeah, they carry everything. Did you ever ask where they heard you? Did from from Kiss FM? It was all mixtapes. Mm. No, but from the radio, they would record the radio. They would record your show, and they would sell them at the record store. Damn. Oh shit! You were the Switz Bobby. Bob- so then I'm, I'm <laughs> there talking to the promoters. They're like. How come DJ Clue don't come here? How come Doo-Wop don't come here? How come Ron G don't come here? I said, you should talk to them. The only person that comes is Red Alert, Tony Touch. That's it. So I was like, oh, shit. Mr. C didn't go. Nobody. It's early. It's just early, it's 94. bro. 94, yeah, yeah. What was early. the thinking in their side of like, yo, like, why am I going to fly all the way there? Or was I it? I have no idea, bro. Wow. But I was, I was, I was. And then when I came back, when I saw the DJs, I'm like, yo, they want to book you out there. Y'all better go out there. There's money out there for y'all. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they got it until a few years later. So exactly, when you say it changed your life, what did it do? It just broadened your horizons? Well, see, also look, so yeah. So now I'm starting to go overseas, right? It's the very beginning of my passport getting stamped for the first time. Mm-hmm. But I meet a French disc jockey, and this nigga is nice. His name is Cut Killer. You ever heard of him, DJ mm-hmm. Cut Killer? No. no. 
You should Google him. Anyway, his name is DJ Cut you know, you know him, Goldie. Right? He's the order records from the store. So this guy's fire. He's like he's like the Molly Maw and Funk Master Flex of, of France. And he DJs for underground radio, radio, clubs. He DJs for artists. He produces. He's the guy. So like Tim Westwood is in England? Yeah, yeah I know he would Tim. Be, he right. would be the, the, that version in France. So that dude ends up linking with me at this party. And he's like, hey, what are you doing next week? I want you to come to Paris. Wow. I mean, I could just stay here for a few more days and we'll, <laughs> we'll just take the train over. And that's what we did. And then... Just like that. And then I went to Paris every year, multiple towns. Like, that was probably... I probably went there like 15 times in my in my life. Just like every year, Paris, 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 Paris. And I did these festivals before I knew they were even called festivals. I would DJ, they'd be like these big tents and they have 10,000 people in this tent, 10,000 people in this tent, all sponsored by like Perrier Water. And they have ambulance um, and paramedic people outside the tents with oxygen tanks, all kinds of weird shit. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> because this is not New York clubbing. This is... Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like European festival. Right, right, right. But they didn't call it festivals back then. It was just a big party. They would have raves, but that was like the that's beginning it. of that. That's it. Sounds like you know EDC, I mean? but exactly. Yeah. In yeah. France. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like kind of like that rave energy. Yeah. And you know what the crazy yeah. part is? France didn't even need a hip hop scene. They really didn't. Their hip hop scene was probably ranked number two in the world. You know what I'm saying? They had like Jatem and a bunch of other famous artists. I did two albums in 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 Paris, France. Wow. Yeah. They're not great albums, but I did two of them. <laughs> <laughs> not my best work, but what it's was, out there. What was the first French MC I met? MC Solar? Yeah. Was it MC Solar? Yeah, yeah that was yeah. like when we were just like, mm -hmm. oh shit, I didn't know they had hip hop yeah. in France. Mm -hmm. Big. So like, this just, just brought you in on an international. So now I'm on some international shit. Mm. And this is before Big? This is all before Big. Jeez. That's why, I see, when people like ask me about my big stories when I first got down with him, Puffy asked me if I want to be his DJ. I said, let me think about it. <laughs> so they see you, how you laughed? Yeah. Biggie wasn't Biggie yet. Right. I'm he only had Unbelievable, maybe Juicy out at the time. And he was doing the freestyles and shit. That's it, I a mean, couple of freestyles. freestyles. But he wasn't the Biggie One More Chance guy. He wasn't the Big Papa guy yet. But even Juicy, though. Not yeah. even, nah. But still, I knew what he would become, but he wasn't there yet. So, so in my mind, I'm like, let me figure out what Enough wants to do with his career first before I chase somebody else with their career. So wait, where did Puffy hit you up? Where did like where did he hit you? All right, so Hot 97 used to do this thing called the Players Ball. It was their take on the Players Ball. Because mm -hmm. you were, wait, you were yeah. DJing with, 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 for, for Biggie before you even came to Hot 97? Or were you on Hot 97? No. My first introduction to Biggie is I was doing, hot, I was doing Kiss FM. I'm on Kiss FM at this time. Mm -hmm. I got a radio show, and my host is Supernatural, the freestyle guy. Right, yeah. Supernatural. That's my host. I'm the DJ. And then along my squad at the time is the Bomb Squad. So it's me, Supernatural, this kid named The Eno, the dative one, and it was uh, DJ Ace. DJ Ace, the crowd motivator? Crowd motivator, right? yeah. Yeah, DJ yeah. Ace. Those were the, that was the lineup for Kiss FM in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, cause I, yeah, because I was looking at the timeline. Yeah, you didn't join Hot ninety seven till like ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight. So August, then, August of ninety eight. August of ninety eight. So I was thinking you had to have linked up with Biggie 
like somewhere on Kiss it, FM days. Kiss FM days. Yeah, ninety four. And he just heard you on the and he Nah, that's not what happened. What happened? <laughs> what happened was Big was trying to get into this party. There was a club called Whatever Suede used to be on on Thirteenth Street. Yeah. Between Park and Broadway, whatever, there was a club there. Fourteenth Street, Suede. Thirteenth Street. Thirteenth Street. It's where the it's where the if behind the movie theater. Behind the movie theater. You talking mm. about the grand? Yes. The grand. Yes. Okay, got it. But it was called something else later. After the, the grand. No, it wasn't the bank. No, no, no. The grand. Uh, no, it was, it was, it was, it was the grand. <laughs> it was, Wade, it was America. It was, it was pink, America once. Pink pussy cat or pink something cat, black it a, cat. It was America once. It was the grand. It was the. Um... All right, so just tell a story. Now. Anyway, so. <laughs> so I'll pick it up. This party is a, really one of the highest, the flyest part at the time. Right. And the promoters at the, t- at the time was Noel, Truesdale, Chris Truesdale, the guys who kind of land. Who they ran this party called Soul Kitchen, right? And Frankie Iglesias was a DJ, and it was predominantly like a white party. Mm-hmm. But my always my beef with it always was like, look at these fucking culture vultures. You guys are taking our culture, and then you won't let the black kids in. What mm-hmm. kind of shit is that? To me, that's the foulest shit. Yeah. So anyway, Biggie's trying to get into the party with, with the, uh, with the guys from MOP, right? <laughs> Jesus. They got Carl Kanai on, <laughs> hoodies, right? Tim's, big ass jeans. They they don't look nothing like the the white downtown kids that go to these parties. Yeah, for sure. So I talked to Noel and Chris. I said, yo, this is Biggie Smalls. He's a brand new artist. He's Puff's artist. He's he's literally his first artist on Uptown MCA. This is before Bad Boy. Mm-hmm. And then I co-signed him getting in. And then Big remembered me for the rest of my life because I got him into the club. Right. That's it. So it was. It was that. And then because of that, he said, yo, bro, I know you're on the radio. Here goes my album. Do what you got to do with it. <laughs> he gave you Ready to Die? On cassette. How long before it came out? Maybe a couple of months. Oh, so shit. so peep this. So now I have the entire Ready to Die in my palm of my hands. Yeah. Jesus. I take it to the guys on the radio. They clean the whole shit up. <gasps> they wiped it. No, 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 no. no. They, clean versions. Clean versions. Oh. Oh. Radio edits. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> they recorded over the tape. <laughs> so that following Monday or Tuesday, I'm on the radio, 10 p.m. Oh shit. Juicy, Big Papa. I'm playing it all. The hotline calls. <laughs> it's Puffy. Yo, Playboy. Yo, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> no, it's not Playboy. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, what? Yo, he called the hotline as a listener. Bro. Yeah. He, he, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? He's cursing out. He's cursing me the fuck out. Yeah. What the fuck are you? Now, look, I'm young DJ enough. I didn't know what it was to uh, schedule a song's release, mm-hmm. the marketing behind it, whatever it was, billboards ads, whatever money it took to get things placed and set up so that they could roll out a project. Right. I didn't know what that was. You just got, you well, like, you, I got hot shit, I want to yeah, play No, well, Biggie no, just said, do Biggie's what my guy. Oh, so time, Biggie's yeah. like, yo, do what you got to do. Do what you got to <laughs> do. And I did. <laughs> anything goes. And I did. Any DJ was Biggie didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yo, Biggie, that was the Wild Wild West right Biggie there. Biggie didn't Any give a DJ fuck. Was, Biggie yeah. was happy. Yeah. Right. That they somebody shit was on the gonna, radio. Somebody was going to play his shit. Right. And maybe Big was just waiting too long. You know You know what that feels like? You got an album that's going to come out. Right. And it's never coming out. Right. And you feel like it's months and it's still not coming out. The mastering, the cleaning, the radio edits, the 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 artwork for every single, whatever the fuck that. Well, 
takes it. In, in the movie Notorious, it, Biggie was frustrated with Puff for a while right. because the shit was just getting like shelved in a way. Right. And then he gave him that big ass check and he's like, okay, something's happening. Right. Like, so I think that was the period. So anyway. So you were the catalyst. So Puff, so, so Puff <laughs> is yelling at me, cursing. And, and in my mind, I'm literally fresh off the mixtapes, right? Right. I'm watching SNS do it with all the fucking records nah. he broke. <laughs> I watched Clue do it. I watched all these mixtape DJs break the rules, break the law on ethical everything hip-hop. This is my time. And man. they all became famous because yeah. of it. So I'm like, fuck, it's my turn. Yeah. Let me just go for it. <laughs> anyway, so... And then Puff... Then Puff is cursing me out. I don't, I don't even know if this guy wants to fuck with me ever. Like, I'm, he might be sending goons after me for, as far as I know. And then... This fucking players ball shit happens in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. That same weekend, Mary J. Blige is releasing her My Life album. One of the biggest albums of her career, right? One of my favorite albums of all right? time, yeah. So I'm there, and I DJ'd some functions at the the players ball. Now I'm gambling with Miss Jones, Ed Lover, <laughs> and Kurt Flirt. Like, this is, mm-hmm. like, this is the people I'm around. And then Puff sees me. Hey, yo, now, now. Hey, yo, playboy. Now Playboy. I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, now I'm Playboy. I'm not motherfucker. So, so I'm like, uh, so I'm thinking, mom, what the fuck he wants now? Clark is leaving. I think we need a DJ, man. And Big talked about you a lot, man. I think he wants you to go on the road with him. You down? Hmm. So I'm like, oh shit. I said, yeah. Let me think about it. I get back to you. So he's like, think about it. <laughs> like he feels like I disrespected him. Right, 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 right. But I'm like, yo, I'm, <clears throat> I, I really got to check. Like, what's happening here? Yo, bro, I've seen a gazillion artists come out. Right, they come out with one record today and they gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So why why am I banking everything on Big? I don't know him yet. I only heard a few joints. They were great joints, but he's not Biggie Biggie yet. That's he, so crazy. It's crazy that I'm saying this story. This week, right? Bro, I was born in '89, so I'm like, look <laughs> out to me. Big, yeah, so he's not Biggie. Big. He's not Big yet. And then whatever, I ended up talking to Jessica. She was my manager at the time. Jessica Rosenblum. Yes, Jessica Rosenblum from yes, Stress yes. Entertainment. Happy birthday, Jess. And we had a long talk about it. <laughs> and she's like, E, just do it. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's important. You know, it's puff. It's da, 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 da. So she told you to do it. It was kind of like you're her, like, you got to do this. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And I did it. Mm. And then I never looked back. It was just dope watching him grow. It was really dope. I got to see him city mm. after city get bigger and bigger. And not physically bigger, just like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like his music's just getting bigger and bigger. And then I remember there was a time we went to we were going to Detroit, and Big was like, "Yo, you can't look like this." I'm like, "What are you talking about? I got Tim's on, some jeans, and a shirt." He's like, "Nah, Playboy, we gotta get you some some fly stuff." I think he bought me like a Versace shirt or a fake Versace shirt, the silk ones, huh? whatever it was, yeah. silk. And, I, and then he bought me some fresh, brand new Tim's with the jeans. They all had like baller hats, and I was like, I wasn't gonna wear no hats. Was this first album still or second album? First album. First still. album. Oh, okay. Detroit we, is different. But we, there, we were going to Detroit. Yeah, coach is different. Everybody in Detroit was on some player player. Oh, like okay. they were wearing gaiters and shoes and all that. And then this is when I started to see him switch up his style. Mm. And then when the Big Papa record dropped, he really switched his style. Yeah, yeah. Was he was rap. wearing full coogies and I remember. The kangaroo hat. The um the promoters that I talked about at my first party, the Love Brothers. Yeah. The Love Brothers had did a, a, a event one time, like a private event somewhere. And I remember for the first time we saw guys with Coogee sweaters. And 
the Kooji sweaters were like probably like bright orange and yellow, mm-hmm. but they had the matching gaiters. I remember us looking at them, like laughing at them, like look what the look what the fuck mm-hmm. they wearing. But it was some fly shit. But right. it was they were just ahead of their time. <laughs> Bill Cosby used to wear the Kooji sweaters, yeah, yeah. And then when it started like to come back, right, the big guys started wearing. It was like oh shit, it was like yeah. this shit is, you know, yeah. this is some expensive Australia. So it's that so it's that vibe, yeah. And the parties that we were doing were high end. Player, player parties. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like people were stepping and they were doing their two steps and play slow jam you know, at the party. And you know, R. Like Kelly that. was a big deal back around that time, and you know, remember Big had that record with R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was all that. It was just watching them grow and watching them get into this space. Wait, wait, did like in his circle? Who were you seeing around in the circle? I know it was Little C's with him. Little C's was always with him. And then this kid named it was kid named Money L. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Rube and D-Rock there? D-Rock was there. Rube was around too. Um, and did you see him like interacting with like Pac? Was Pac around and shit like that? Pac was around early. And Pac used to always love being around the Junior Mafia guys. And he loved going to the, like, the bodega stores in the city. And he loved them Spanish girls. Pac mm. was always like, yo, where the Spanish girls at? And they would smoke them <laughs> Newports. And always, you know... It was just funny watching them all go through that. It, yeah, to yeah. me, it was crazy. It's funny because Cypher Sound says that uh, Junior Mafia would always be playing Tupac. All the time. And it was like, yo, he's dissing you. <laughs> like, why are you playing this? But now I kind of get it if they're hanging yeah. out so much. Yeah, that was his boys. Yeah. So then you you were on tour with Biggie for how long now? How many months? At this time? Yeah. I don't know. Did you do like the whole, year? Was whole it like career? a year? No, it, no. I once I got with him, I DJed with him to the end till he died. Mm. So you were basically wow. his DJ. I was his last DJ. Clark Kent was his first DJ. Clark Kent was the guy who set up his first tour, mm-hmm. and he was the one who gave him his show. So all I was doing was copying what Clark built. That's mm. it. It's that simple. Wow. So that, so then all you, on vinyl. So you were there doing the whole process of life after death and all that yeah. with the recording and yeah. everything. Did you all right, all right so let me get into my shit. I got yeah. I got to got to give my man. <laughs> this is why he's here. <laughs> all right, so we're in Brooklyn, so we know we got a Brooklyn DJ. We already had a Brooklyn DJ with Clark that was fucking with Big. Right. So when Clark started stopped doing the tour, niggas was like, "This, yo, who's he gonna have as his DJ?" He gets enough. Enough is his DJ. Then we find out enough is doing beats for Big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell tell them when you did the joint for your nobody. Well, before that, I did the Get Money remix. First. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh wow! I did the Get Money? Remix. So the Get Money remix was created like this. I was listening to a lot of uh, mixtapes, and I remember Doo-Wop '95 Live Freestyle Part Two, whatever it was. I forgot who he had. Somebody was rapping on the Dennis Edwards beat. Don't look any further. Don't look any further. And right. Big's like, he's knocking his head like this. He's like, you know, we got to do that. So I did that. And then when I, well, me, me and my partner, Jiv, Jiv's from Flatbush too. So me and Jiv, we chopped up Dennis Edwards, um, don't look any further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We chopped shit up, like like really chopped it up. On some premiere shit? Yeah, broke yeah. it down, whatever. Yeah. Big was like, uh-uh. And we like, what the fuck? Because we, we weren't on some... We didn't want to be called what I get. To, I guess the what was the name? Sampling? The no, no yeah, like the looping. jacking, looping, Just looping, a shit. big loop. Yeah. We didn't want that. But big, big's idea was, yo, dog, 
Billy Preston, Dennis Edwards, and these guys, they're going to charge you the same rate whether you take this little piece or you take the whole shit. Take the whole shit. Mm. So I was like... So he kind of wanted you to do what right. he did with Juicy. Kind of. Just, just basically take the rest. But Big so, was a groove guy, man. He, but, like, he used but to all I did, sit there and get that groove going. Yeah. You know what I mean? All I did was change the shakes up and then some of the... I filtered the bass lines and that's it. That your team can affect my cream Gold and platinum plaques since I stepped on the scene And if you don't stop, then we won't stop Continuous leader oh, You can be as good as the best of them But as bad as the worst So don't test me You better move over Did you get, Did he want you to give him input in what kind of music he should go out for the single? or like? No, we didn't get that deep Because that's where... That's where the block came in because Puff would come in and take over that. But oh. but in my own time, yes. You know, when when we're because remember I'm the disc jockey, right? Yeah. So he'd always be like, What you got? What's new? And he wanna hear everybody else's shit. Mm. Just so he felt like he was up on it. So that was my that was that was my exciting relationship with him. So every time I got in the car, put in a fresh mix or somebody's tape or I got this brand new from Buster. I got this from Nas. I got this from... He wanted to hear all of that. He wanted to make sure. That's it. Was there anyone that you put him on to that, like, really kind of, like... He was just no. like... No. Nah. But you know what? I had did a freestyle session one time in my crib. It was with this kid named Freshko. Now, for you guys who know who Freshko is, Freshko was the 1992 New Music Seminar champion. Ain't you Freshko? He, yeah, no. he's from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And his DJ was Miz, Miz. who ended up became from Philly. He was a new, he was a new music some some DJ champion. So on the way to the crib, I got Fresh Go coming. I got Big coming. Big was like, uh, uh-uh. you gonna got me with Fresh Go? Nah, he's like, he was like saying like this guy Fresh Go's a problem. Mm. So he was nervous. So I'm like nervous. But then when he got there, he was fine, bro. But initially on his way to the crib, he was nervous. You never seen that shit before. I never seen that before ever, mm. ever. <laughs> Yo, Big Ever. used to come into B Street and he used to buy a lot of tapes. Like yeah. everybody shit. Like he was up on everybody. Yeah, he just that's he, he was he was a connoisseur of music. He was bro. a connoisseur. He was a student, like a real student. Wow. Real student. He just come to you like goalie, what's new? What's popping? No, he would come through, he bought up all the mixtapes that was out. He wanted to hear the competition. Wow. But he would also have his, you know, Beautiful. his joints where he would buy records. Like well, he, he didn't get buy. nervous when Jay Z came out? What's that? He didn't get nervous when he heard Jay Z? Like reasonable doubt and all so. that. Oh, that didn't shake them up. Nah, they were homeboys. They were still like And Jay Z was kind of out. Nah, but they saw they saw each other on the road. Like some of my magical moments is like we did Bam together. So I was DJing for Big. Irv Gotti was DJing for uh, Jay at the time because he had. That's crazy. Remember, Irv was doing A and R work, and I think he had my Geronimo. He had Dumb. But then he also worked that Murder Murder Gram whatever record. Remember, it was DMX. Yeah, it was. Jay-Z and somebody else. Jairo? Yeah, it was those three. So, like, to see kind of like that, yeah. like, oh, shit, DJ Irv, DJ Enough. And then you got Jay, I got Big. To me, those were monumental moments. Like, yeah. but, it, but it was a lot of respect. Like, you would see Big go, what up, Playboy? And then later on, they were working on the commission. They were really working oh, yeah, on the commission. commission. That was really a thing. Let's talk about that, because I don't know if everyone knows about the commission. They don't get it, bro. Like, <laughs> look, from what I remember, Big was trying to shape Charlie Baltimore to be the next La Femme Nikita in rap. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so you know who the film is? No, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Go watch the movie. I told you, I was born in '89. Enough. <laughs> it's well, the same director who did uh, Professional. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's like that. that. It's the yeah. French director. It was the first time. What was the American version with that actress? Uh, professional. The professional, but no, no, the female version of La Femme Laquita, they did an American version. Oh, I don't know that. Um, All I remember was the the, 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 the foreign one. Yeah, yeah. I'm but sorry. Yeah. But it was the same director. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dope. yeah. So that was the vibe. And then I remember Big Kim saying, yo, when the commission stuff come out, we're going to change the game. And I was like, but I didn't get it because mm -hmm. I wasn't ready. I didn't understand. All the, I saw some of the blueprint, but I didn't get all of it. But he was helping. He was and the commission the was? Jay-Z, Biggie, and Charlie Baltimore. Mm. That's it, just them three. Which is basically kind of like the firm. Yeah, right. exactly. Right? Before the firm. An early version of the early firm. firm. Exactly. All right, hold on. Before you go any further, <laughs> tell, them, tell them about the song, Nobody. Because you got to remember, when Enough does this joint, this is... 95, 96, yes. and his album comes out in 97. So he's done this song for, he's sitting on the song for two years. About a year and a half, two years at least. See, this is what people don't get, you know, as far as like when they talk about like the Who Shot You. Like, mm -hmm. we all know Who Shot You mm -hmm. wasn't a diss record mm -hmm. because that record had been done. Mm -hmm. But there's no social media, you know what I mean? To right. tell you, you know what I mean? Like, everybody gets it like, oh, he just made that record. Nah, man. To your knowledge, These records I'm, were done a year and a half before yeah. they came out. I was like, to your knowledge, when was Who Shot You done before the incident had happened with the Quad Studios Park and all that shit? She was done way before that. Way before that. You got you to understand also, like, a lot of this music took, like, months to, like, distribute. Of course. And manufacture yeah. and come out. It's even, just like, just, even just to just record the process is yeah, different. Yeah. It's just like, it, like, the timing of it is just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not even like, people were recording while they were touring back then. It was just... The like, only thing I didn't get until years later yeah. was whatever the subliminals he was throwing shots at people, I didn't get that until later. Well, what uh, Biggie? Yeah, they all do it. Jay did it to Big. Big did it to Jay. Nas <laughs> did it to Big. Big did it to Nas. They all do it to each other. Man, that's it's been going on since hip hop started, bro. Just the competitor. It's not Drake was... didn't start it. Yeah, Drake didn't start it. Back to back. Be like Drake with the subliminals. Yeah. It's always been around. So yeah. petty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's oh, that's freaking. I mean, even like I think one of the more prominent ones when I was in, when I was coming up was like just Jay like dissing Mace. Remember? He's no, like, I don't remember that. When he was on the Hard Knock Life, uh, he was just like, look at your own video, you always be number two. Oh, shit. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and they were talking about they can't hold me down. I think yeah. it's just a competitor. And he had a jersey, and Puff was number one, and mm -hmm. Mace was number two. Mm. And he was like, look at your own video, you always be number two. Not and it was those like little shots, and we were like, oh, shit. Brooklyn Harlem shit. That's crazy. Man, so like, so you did, you do doing production with Big, mm -hmm. you were DJing with Big. Mm hmm the album's like, the double album, he's talking to you about the double album. Mm -hmm. You're in the studio, you're witnessing a lot of the recording. Mm -hmm. You're seeing all of this come together. I remember I was, I, I was at the session when they, they were doing More Money, More Problems. Mm. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, this shit is weird. There's no way they're going to rap to this shit. I'm hearing the beat loop yeah. and the way it broke down. Yeah. And I'm like, this shit ain't going to work. <laughs> I was way off. 
I didn't even like Hypnotize when I first heard it. Really? No. You're bugging. You know why? <laughs> For real? <laughs> nah, you know why? This is why. We say that now, but all the origin hip-hop fans of Biggie, right. we were on our boom bap shit. Right, that's if right. the shit didn't sound like DJ Premier and Ten Crack Commandments or, or Unbelievable or Easy Mo B, like some real Brooklyn <laughs> boom bap shit, yeah, yeah. we didn't... Because let's, let's be honest. Look, like Albert is fucking Rise. It's a yeah. fucking jazz record. Like... I mean, it's fire now because Biggie made it fire, but it's just a different pocket. Because when when that album, that double album dropped, all the like, even me, the the mm-hmm. OG hip hop heads, we we love kicking the door because we understood that record. See, Four. that's what I'm saying. And then later we started seeing like, oh shit, like hypnotize is like. It wasn't until later I like hypnotize. Yeah, In the yeah. Beginning, I was like, because yeah. we when we saw the video for hypnotize, we were like, wow, he's doing Why this shit. Right? He's on this shit now. <laughs> Some yeah. boats, big yacht, yeah. big boats, big cars, chasing scenes with the Versace shirts. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so you were listening. You were like, "This shit is weird." And in my, in my, in my brain, I'm like, "Yeah, this is nuts, bro." I'm like, "I don't know." And this is crazy. He got a record on the actual album. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do you feel like knowing that this is something that you got? Like, you already got the Junior Mafia, the Get Money joint, but this is all big. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? I mean, it feels amazing because I'm part of history. Yeah. And for me, it was always like, whenever whenever I got into this music game and being a DJ, I was always, I was always worried about my contribution to hip hop. I always I looked at like Special K, Teddy Ted, the world famous Supreme Team. Mm. I looked at you know, like I said, the Frankie Crockers, Red Alerts, the Chuck Chillouts, and I was like, I wonder if people in the future would feel about me the same way I felt about them. That's the, that's the honest truth. I just wanted my name on the wall. The writing on the wall, the credits. I always wanted that. That's it. I just wanted somebody to be like, yo, this guy, he he protected hip-hop or he supported hip-hop and he helped flourish it to grow. That's all I wanted. Mm. That's it. So You know, it, when you when you say you're worried about your contributions and, and what you're putting in, did you also feel like there was a judgment with like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm black. I'm Latin or I'm Latino and then stuff. A little bit. A little bit. Initially, no. But then later on, yes. Because then, you know, like, I would get some, I would get some resistance from some of my friends, but not all of my friends. But the same way kids would play it and talk about you in the, in the schoolyard, mm-hmm. it's the same shit in real life. It's the same shit. Sometimes just whatever. You know, I might get the, yo, mira, mira, what you doing, bro? You don't know about this. Yeah, yeah. Get Carry, out of here. It you carries know? with you. Yeah, that, right? that kind of shit. Or like when we, me and Camilla were like one of the first Cypher Sounds also were like us three, we really championed Pitbull, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pitbull, when we, when we first hear Pitbull, Pitbull was a straight MC. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't a dance dude. He was yeah, a yeah. spitter. And when we were trying to get him on, it wasn't working. I don't know how. But then when the dance shit came, he just took off. So I don't know if that was the people who saw him that way or only accepted him for a certain mm-hmm. type of music. Right. But that's just the way it is sometimes. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, it's funny, like, I was, you know, with the 50 years of hip-hop mm-hmm. and the 50th anniversary of hip-hop mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. there was, like, these weird conversations on the internet, right? Yeah. That it was, like, obviously it's black music, of course, but, like, you know, Puerto Ricans, Latinos been a part of, like, the, like the hip hop culture since yeah. Jump, mm-hmm. but there was this conversation of like, yo, they were just they were just there for the ride, but they didn't really mm-hmm. they weren't a part of it. 
And me being from New York, I feel like sometimes people down south or in the Midwest, maybe they don't understand exactly how integrated the Bronx was or like how no, integrated these neighborhoods were they don't. with Puerto Ricans and black people and how like, you know, even to the to this day, like I grew up on like Puerto Ricans saying the N-word, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it was just one of those things where they were just together. Right. And you know, obviously everyone talks shit about who are you from and you know, yeah. it's just about breaking balls. But I just think the conversation was weird and to have that come up, especially now. When I go to the South with Big, that was the first time I heard the term mm-hmm. red bone. Mm. They'd be like, yo, Red Bone. The girls would be like, yeah, hey, Red Bone, come over here. I'm like, who the fuck are they call- talking to? <laughs> I'm like, they're talking to you. I'm like, me? You are the Red Bone. Who the fuck is Red Bone? <laughs> so I didn't know what that term meant. That's funny. And then that's funny. years later, I find out, that's okay, that's me. I'm the Red Bone guy. <laughs> but you you feel that stigma? Like, is it weird to see that com- like see that come up to this day, that conversation? Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. It is. As as much as we try not to play the race card, yeah, yeah. the race card is always going to be around. And I, I, look, tribes, period, I don't give a fuck where you're from, you're comfortable around your own people. That's just the way it is. That's just the way life is. It's always been like that. The dark-skinned kids want to be with the dark-skinned kids. When they see the, white, the light-skinned kids, they're like, they look different. They can't be like us. It's just... You're basing it on the, on, on the color and texture of their skin. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And in real life, that shit still happens to this day. How many times I'll go into a store and then someone's walking around, what are you buying? What are you getting? Are you getting anything? <laughs> like, that shit to this day, that shit happens to this day still. It's, it's 2024, bro. That shit still happens to this day. All that early shit that we learned and um, and do the right thing, all those racial tensions in the yeah, neighborhood, yeah, yeah, yeah. that shit is still around. It's right. fucked up, but it's still around. Yeah, yeah. At what point did you feel like you had to represent for your Latin side in the hip-hop culture where you had to kind of like wave your flag? When I started to notice that uh, there, was a, there was a big Latin fusion happening, right? I saw J-Lo come in the game and she was big. Then Fat Joe came in with Big Pun, and they were big. And then I started to see, like, you know, other Latin people, period. Not just in music, but, like, comedians and then TV actors and movie stars. So I started to see the big influence of Latins, period, coming yeah. across the board. And then in 2004, um, the New York Post asked me to be a part of a photo that was a reenactment of the old jazz portrait they did in Harlem mm-hmm. the, um, Great Day in Jazz the yeah, Great yeah, Day in yeah, yeah. Jazz whatever <clears throat> when they're in front of the brownstone right Yeah. so we did a mock version of that in front of the museum El Barrio the museum or some shit in, in, in Harlem Spanish Harlem so it was it was the only people that were invited were the New York Puerto Rican Latinos and and I was like, that's kind of weird. I was like, no, we want to specifically to be New Yorkers, but of, you know, of Latin descent, mm-hmm. but specifically from Puerto Rico. So then I'm like, I'm in this photo with like fucking Jimmy Smiths, who was a big actor on LA, LA Law. Mm-hmm. And he ended up being the dad in, in, in the Heights. Mm-hmm. And then like, there's a whole bunch of famous, like Cheetah Rivera, 
and Rita Moreno and those people and then uh, Audrey Puentes and Tito Puentes' daughter and son and Angie Martinez, Crazy Legs, Tony Touch, Doo-Wop, mm. Rosie Perez. Like, this is a big deal. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm among some of the, you know, the big dogs. So when some of that stuff started to happen, I started to notice that it was a big deal. Yeah, because like when Oye Mi Canto came out in L.A., it was like, we didn't know Puerto Ricans, really. Because right. there's none, no Puerto Ricans, no Dominicans like that. Mm-hmm. We start seeing that on TV and on the videos mm-hmm. and the music. I'm like, oh shit, like <clears throat> this is different. And then when we see you, and then even like Camilo, like we didn't see many Latin DJs mm-hmm. being like being represented to us like that. So I was just like, oh shit, like. But I should I should catch flack a little bit, Why like that? on some funny shit. Yo, what's up, man? You got to be Latin to be in your crew. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, nah, man. Who said that? No, it just seems like that. I said that's because you guys are focusing on that. And if you look at <laughs> if you look at the crew, my crew's very diverse. You're talking about the heavy hitters? Yes. Let's talk about the heavy hitters. Let's talk about when when did when did you feel like you needed to crew up? Because I know you were in a crew before. You well, were to be honest with you, my first crew I was ever down with was the Flip Squad DJs. Flip Squad. But everybody thought that was a Funk Master Flex creation, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It was a Jessica Rosenblum. I thought it was a flex, you know, yeah, from the see, outside. That's what from I'm the saying. Outside. It was managed by just so, like yeah. So flex was, I mean, flex ended up being the big dog in of our in our crew. Yeah, and and honestly, everything went to him, you know. So that's how we all felt. So there was a little bit of jealousy from the from day one between all the DJs and flex, right? Because flex always got the best looks, the best nightclubs, the best everything, the best deals, the so the corporate nice. everything. You know, he had his shoe deal his sneaker Lugs. deal his starter deal his record deals <laughs> everything was him yeah so was then the, the car shows all yeah that. so yeah. then you a young DJ in his in his organization you're like yo I just want to be here I want to I want to get a little look right and that's that, that's kind of like what it was all about he gets first dibs he eats he, first kind everything. of shit yeah yeah it was always that so Jessica had to deal with that bullshit can we, can we talk a little about about Jessica Rosenblum like I mean you can you know like actually I've always wanted to have her on but I you know, we her name comes up all the time, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know if like, I mean, even some motherfuckers in New York, I know motherfuckers definitely outside of New York, I don't think they understand the weight and th- that name comes up so yeah. often. Yeah. In this episode, even you, you don't really understand. I met her and I didn't even know yeah. what she represented. Really. Yeah. Because you would, because you he would hang out with uh, you was homies with Quincy. Uh, yeah. No, nah, she's just no, nah, she's a serious. Without her, a lot of shit wouldn't have happened in the city. I think she was the door lady at Nell's back in the days. And um, I remember her bitching and complaining about (laughs) as powerful as she was, that sometimes she still needed help from the boys. Those boys were like Chris Lighty, Mm. Puff Daddy, and a few others, you know, whether it was Andre Harrell and a few others around. Because... What you guys don't know is sometimes when some of the big black pr- promoters or the black producers were trying to get rooms, nobody would give them the room. Right. But Jessica was the face. So then we got the room because she was a white Jewish girl. You know, hey. And, and owners are easier to give the room to a person like her mm-hmm. than to a Puff Daddy. Right. And that's just the way it was. And then so she's the one that kind of manifested this squad. Yeah. Y'all. I think so. Yeah. And who was the squad again? It was Riz, Riz, Duwa, Legend, Legend, Frankie Cutlass, Legend, Mr. C, Legend, Mark Ronson, Legend, 
Bismarck, Bismarcky, Legend, Cipher Sounds, Cipher Sounds, Legend, uh, Mad Wayne, yeah, Mad Wayne, yeah, uh, Mr. Excitement, was he in? Was he in your? Mr. Yeah, but he was wow. really more flexible. More, guy. Right, okay, yeah. okay, got you. They ran the record pool. I'm trying to remember the Flip Squad. I remember the, they had the big poster. Like that was a big thing for for DJs. Yeah, it was like the crew, and then they had like promotion. Like they actually had like yeah. baseball cards and shit. Like you know, yeah, like yeah. they had their their shit. Their shit was mm-hmm. together. This was like the first DJ crew kind of thing. Not the first because yeah. I remember the Fifth Platoon guys were already around. Yeah. Uh, what was uh, Raiders crew with the uh, X Men? Oh yeah, X Men. They were already right, right. out. But as far as nightclub DJ, on a nightclub yeah. level, on a nightclub level, that was yeah, the night, nightclub radio DJs. They they, they were, were the Avengers. We were, we were like the Avengers, the first ones. Wow. So it was almost like you guys were like the first DJ agency a little bit, like kind of. It sounds no? like a posse. Yeah, kind just, of. Or just more bit. like a crew. More of a crew, but yeah. More of a crew. Yeah. Kind of like we are the best of the best. 100%. And then so when y'all came together, what was the thinking behind the crew? Just that. I mean, we didn't have meetings and we didn't have like. We <laughs> like didn't a round table. We meeting. didn't have a round table and there weren't guys like <laughs> figuring out how we're going to take it over the world. None of that no, shit yeah, happened. Yeah. <laughs> Like that shit happened. That, no that shit didn't happen to the heavy hitters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Wait, so the story is you started the heavy hitters because you because, wanted to be in the big dog pit bull. I wanted to be down with the big dog pit Which bulls. is Flex's crew. Right. And it was a record pool. And Flex said no. And then I was like, why? He was like, you know what, bro? Flip Squad was, was Jessica's thing. And I wanted this thing to really be my thing. And then Flex told me the honest truth. He was like, Yo, bro, out of all the DJs, you're the one that gave me the, the, the most run for my money anyway. So why would I want you part of my So it was like competition. It was competition. Like big brother, little brother, wow. and his buddy mm-hmm. heads. Mm-hmm. And Damn, that that's kind of cold. <laughs> but I respect it for being so, like, But that shit hurt you, no? Yeah, I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, at this time, I'm hearing like DJ Premier wants to be a big dog pit bull. Who was the first big, big dog pit bull? I don't remember. <laughs> now, tell me this. Now, were you on the radio when this conversation happens? Yeah, I'm on you're the radio on the radio. at the time. You're on High 97. The radio. You guys are coworkers, and this is happening. Yes. Jesus. So imagine my coworker tells me, like, nah, I don't want you down with the click. So I tell DJ Threat. DJ Threat's my, my, DJ Threat is my, my DJ quiz at the time. And he was a guy who just helped me set up. He carried my crates. He would drive me to and from the venue. He was from Brentwood, Long Island. So then I was telling him how upset I was with this decision that Flex didn't want to be down to be a dead pebble. He was like, man, fuck Flex, bro. Start your <laughs> own crew, man. So I'm like, damn, you're right. Maybe I should start my own crew. Yeah. And then my handle was the heavy hitter DJ enough. That was my handle. So he was like, yo, just take your handle and make that the crew name. Mm. What do we mean? Call it the heavy hitters, bro. I said, why would you why would you not want to do that? I said, we some fat motherfuckers anyway. Heavy hitters. <laughs> and you know, we eat chicken we eat chicken and parmesan sandwiches at four in the morning. Like after the club. This is when we were not on some healthy. There was no health, man. There was no health. We were smoking, right, drinking, and eating. Rest in peace at, at any time. Yeah, rest in peace. But you could also tell when when a DJ was getting more successful. And they were popping more because they started getting a little yeah. heavier. Yo, bro. Right? They started getting a little <laughs> bigger. Fucking with big, yeah. I gained 60 pounds in one summer. Really? No way. 60 pounds in one summer. 60. Damn. 60, Golly. bro. Golly. That's like three or four shirt sizes and pants sizes, yeah. bro. <laughs> That's a whole, yeah, you went from an XL to three. I went to like a 4X. I was, I was a, probably an XL. I went to like a 
forex. God and damn. I was like, damn. And back then, you know, the big clothes was a style anyway. So yeah, yeah. So it was easy for us to find shirts and pants. <laughs> Thank you to Carl Kanai. Thank yeah. you to yeah, yeah. Walker, Walker Wear. They were the ones who had the big sizes, bro. Aniche. Wow. Mecca. So what was the initiation on how you uh, you would become a heavy hitter in the beginning? For us, in the very beginning, it was just on like who we liked. But then later on, it was the... the the qualification was like you had to either be a, a, a mixtape king or queen or at least in the game of mixtapes. Mm -hmm. You had to kind of run a few like clubs in your city or maybe you was a dope producer. Maybe you was a, you know, somebody who contributed to hip hop. Yeah. That's it. So wait, in the initial heavy hitters, who was like the ground floor? Who was the... It was me, DJ Threat, because he helped me with the name. Yeah, yeah. And then the first guy I put down was Camillo. Camillo. Camillo would just happen to be in the city somewhere, and we were in the street, we were in the van, talking shit. I was, it was literally just like this. Yo, Camillo, what's up, bro? He's like, yo, what's up? What's going on, guys? Yo, we starting this crew. Call the heavy hitters. You want to be down? He's like, yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> yo, just like that. And so when you got that drop, heavy hitters, suckers. That's Camillo's wife. Mm. No way. Yep. Heavy hitter. Suckers. That's, oh, that's crazy. That's 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 Camillo's wife. That's an exclusive. That's wow. Camillo's wife. But we knew she it. did the drop. I just heard him with the drop, and I took it. Mm. And I said, "This is gonna be our. This is gonna be our shit." And I honestly, it was DJ Clue's fault because <laughs> at this time, all I heard was Clue, Clue, there's yeah. a Clue, there's a storm, new shit. Clue, clue. <laughs> so I was like, yo, the sound bites are probably more powerful than us just saying our names. Mm. That's why I never said my name. I was the first one to do that, though. I yeah. just want to put that. That's <laughs> <laughs> put that oh, out. shit. All right, Goldie. Yeah. Just want to put that out there. Goldie, you know what happens when in this podcast when somebody says they did it first? Nah, I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. Call Clinton Sparks and see how that went. That's dope. Nobody was using their name like from a record. Or basing their name, they will say their name. They will say their name, or or if they were a DJ for like a rapper. Then they would use what the rapper said their name, right. and then start incorporating that into their shit. Mm -hmm. But I had mines from the door, Goldfinger. <laughs> Goldfinger. He wants to let you know. That's crazy. Because I never wanted to say my name. I never wanted to talk. So that's that's, that's five hundred more comments to your Yo, thing. Right? That's, my, that's my. It thing. helps that he had a fucking famous movie, fucking conglomerate. After there you go. There you go. After him. It helped. It helped. <laughs> Go finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still watch that shit to this day. So then the heavy hitters, so like, did you did you kind of know you wanted to debut this on Hot 97? Like knowing that Flex, like, yeah, I want to show Flex I got my own crew now kind of shit? Or I mean, that's not where my head was. It wasn't. It was more like just me do. let me do my thing. This is my thing. Now that you look at the heavy hitters now, which has like become international mm -hmm. pretty much. I mean, I mean, how many heavy Global. hitters are there? It's about more than Wu-Tang. I, I, <laughs> I, I think we're at like 120 now. 120. Yeah. yeah, and I'm trying to slow it up. You're trying to slow it? I'm trying to because my thought process is like, how could I be tight with, with a, over 120 people? There's no way. Right. You know, like when you first start something, you got five people maybe 10 mm -hmm. and you could navigate through that. You could talk, you could build with them. But then when it gets in the fifties and sixties, you got to have conference calls and you got to have zoom calls to kind of like see where everybody's heads at, at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. 
So like, oh shit! I remember I was I, I had quiz on. I was kind of asking, like you know, <laughs> being a heavy hitter, right? What is like? What does it entail? Like, what is the benefits of the it? perks of being a part of a? You At know, this point, I don't even fucking know. Act <laughs> dumb. They'll they'll tell you more than me. We see, we see you guys take lavish vacations and shit. So I'm like, now we do on the regular. <laughs> Yo, let me tell That's you. Let perk. me tell you one of the strengths of like you know you go to like a mix show power summit or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you meet all these different DJs from all these different places that you've never been before or you've never been around them. And then it's like one thing they have in common. Oh, they have hitters. And it's like one from every city. It's like like a gang, but they all just play records. Mm-hmm. The shit is it's impactful because now if he plays a record and he tells his crew, we leaning on this record, that record gets broke. Yeah. And in New York, that means something. But if you got everybody across the country on the same accord, it's powerful. That you was, know what I mean? That was very key in the early 2000s in LA. All like, the dip set and all these records that were breaking, especially Felly Fell, they were all coming from the East because there was nothing in LA at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, at the end, you would always hear the drop and you're like, this shit is, yeah. this shit is being pushed and it's, hot, it's being like the hot shit now. That's facts. Now, if we do, we, I like, uh, recently there's a, a young DJ that I love. She's amazing, Dana Lou. And I think she was- She's a heavy hitter. She, yeah, she's, she announced she was a heavy hitter. I think- Last year or maybe a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Damn, that's dope that there's a new generation of heavy hitters." There is, and there's this weight to the name still because that's you know, what that was. We had to do some some in house maintenance cleaning. There were some guys. <laughs> there were some guys we had to get rid of, mm. and some guys we just felt like weren't just for the organization. But that was one thing Camilla was very keen on helping. He was like, "We have to make sure." That the younger generation, the younger DJs understand what this is and what it's all about. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm. And, and at this point, like when you look at the heavy hitters and quiz, you can answer this. Mm-hmm. Like when you see that name, because to us, it's like, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, it was just like, oh shit, it's, it's a crew and everything. Yeah. But now to the younger generation, they, they see that. There's nothing to really like say you've made it mm-hmm. or you've accomplished anything or you reached the point. But I feel like being a heavy hitter, you know, like some people might say coming on, a certain uh, a TV show or a podcast or doing, doing you know, a boiler room set. That's their way of saying they made it. Right. And I feel like even when Dana Lou, that was kind of a point of like, yo, I'm like, you know, y'all got to kind of take me seriously a little bit now because I'm a heavy hitter. And it's mm-hmm. like a stamp. Yeah, for you, sure. You know, for you, right, you kind of explained it that way, though. Yeah, of course. It's just like for any DJ. And then, yeah. and then how it becomes kind of like, well, if I'm going to Miami, I know there's heavy hitters in Miami. And there's someone that to kind of look out. You want to know right. the real intricate? I know. I, I know. I told you I created it because of Funk Flex, right? Yeah, yeah. But the origin, this jockey thing, came from this idea. Mm-hmm. Ricky Lee. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Yeah. Ricky Lee used to have a magazine. Hits and hits, and he had a little article, and he had about forty, fifty DJs on his on his team and he would kind of interview them and we'd talk music all the time on the conference call. The Baker Boys were on this, Felly Fell was on it, mm-hmm. me, Greg Street, uh, Red Alert, you know, Awesome 2, Mad DJs. The thing about the Ricky Lee thing, it was my first time of getting information on what records were hot mm. outside of my city. So at this point, I'm starting to travel now. Remember, you guys... You guys heard my European story, how I went to Paris and Switzerland. So 
I'm I'm already a traveler. This is mid '90s, so towards the late '90s, this was happening with the. Oh, no, it was probably in the mid '90s too, with Ricky Lee, and I figured you know this would be a great way to get the information from the disc jockeys. So now, if I ever want to go to the Bay to DJ, yeah, I, I could tap in with somebody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that was always my thing, because they would be like, "Yo, son, you can't play the LA shit in the Bay. It doesn't always work." Right. You got to figure that out. There's a there's a twist to it. So I'd be like, oh, shit. You know, so it's those it's those moments and those things that help me. Yeah, where you have that network of communication, of yeah. information being spread on what yeah. records are working where. And it's not just records. Yeah. It's literally culture. The DJs are going to tell you where to eat. Mm. Culture. What nightclub, where to <clears throat> go. Don't fuck with that bitch. She's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck with that bitch. She'll set you up. Yeah. Don't fuck with those dudes over there. They'll get you killed. Like that information is very important when right. you're traveling. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fraternity, you know what I'm saying? And the ill shit is like you go to a city and it's like you almost kind of like know you're at home to a certain degree. Yeah. You turn on the radio and you're like, heavy hitters. And you hear whatever city you're in, you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I know what this vibe is right. about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. a brand. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's an international brand. So that's what makes it even more powerful. Because you got all these DJs from all these different places, they're going overseas too. Not just him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a really good look. It's a really good look. Yeah. So I kind of want to rewind back a little bit. Go, Bam. Go you rewind. Know, I want to rewind a little bit back. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're back. You know, so like I want to know how from, you know, Biggie passing and how you felt in like, you know, obviously how you felt when he passed and where you were in your career. I was fucking, I was sick to my stomach. I blamed hip hop for him dying. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really understand the aspect. I mean, I understood it, but then I didn't know who to point my finger at because I knew too much. And I was jaded in my, in my decision-making, right? Because I knew who those gangsters were. I know who those guys were. I know, you know, I was looking at the death row people and I'm looking at Tupac's people and I'm looking at everybody who's affiliated with somebody some way, some way, somehow, trying to figure out who killed Big, trying to determine why hustlers, killers. So your brain goes into overdrive. Yeah. And then you get frustrated because there's, there's no answering. And then you hear some street guys say, oh, the, whoever killed Big, he's gone. We took care of that already. But then, you, mm. but then you don't, there's no proof. There's no closure. There's no whatever. There's no closure. But I'm sick to my stomach. So there's a guy named Wayne Barrow. He's he's in charge of the Biggie estate. He was Biggie's manager. I felt like he saved my life a little bit mm. because I was depressed. I wasn't I wasn't gigging. You wasn't motivated. I wasn't. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to. I didn't even want to go outside the city anymore. Nothing. I, I was so devastated. Were you also like scared or like were you? Hell yeah, I was scared. Yeah, yeah. I was yo, bro. I remember like literally going to L.A. a few times, and this was the first time Mark Pitts and them. They got fucking a SWAT team to escort us. Jesus. So I'm like, yo, bro, I didn't sign up for this shit. I'm a DJ. I want to play music. Why am I wearing a bulletproof vest? Wait, is this when Biggie's still alive? Yeah, Biggie's alive. Post Park death? Yes. So, so I'm like, why? I'm like, why, bro? What are we doing here? That's why, like, the Biggie, like, when they all went to, to LA that last time when Biggie died, I didn't go. Oh, you didn't? I didn't. I was invited. I'm like, what, why are we going there? Are we gigging? No. We were supposed to go to London right after. Yeah. But they were celebrating that the album being done. 
And I was like, I don't so want to. I don't want to celebrate that one being done. I still remember the death threats. People calling Big's phone, the hotel rooms. I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker. That kind of shit. And I remember telling D Rock specifically, "Yo, bro, please take care of him." I remember that like it was yesterday. Mm. And then when I got the phone call when he passed, it shit broke my heart. It was D Rock, Little Kim, and C's. And they were like bawling, crying on the phone. Like, we lost them. E, blah, 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 blah. And I'm crying. I'm in my crib. And it's crazy because I didn't even know that he passed. I didn't find out from nobody in the crew. I found out on the fucking radio. Mm. I was in my crib. Lisa Evans was talking to Angie Martinez or some shit. And then my brother-in-law hits me like, yo, son, they're talking about your guy. You should put the radio on. Put the radio on. I'm like, what the fuck? Yo, I, I, my uncle died. I didn't cry at his funeral. This dude, Biggie, dies. I'm, I'm losing my shit. Like, and it's all because I felt like I knew he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I was like, why are we going to L.A.? For what? I was so against it. I was like, why, why we can just stay here? What's the sense of, yo, Pac had died already. Right, yeah. And Pac, I don't care what nobody says, Pac has a different kind of fanship that's different. He has a cult following. Yeah. You know, it's different than the Biggie following. I'm sorry. The Pac following is a whole different, it's a whole different thing, bro. It's different. Like, his fans, like, they really ride or die for him. Yeah, we uh well I'm from LA. So you, but us, you understand that, right? Yeah, it's it's just like his word is just Bible. There's yeah. like there's no way around it. That's it, was, it. Whatever he said on hit him up, that's what it was. Yeah. And growing up, we knew every word to that shit. Mm-hmm. But I I see what you're saying because Biggie, when you see the funeral uh videos and all the imagery, it's a a, a hometown hero. Mm-hmm. And Pac never had that. Right. Pac was the spokesman, the Malcolm X, the big speaker. But Biggie was like, you know, like when Barry Bonds, like he was just a big fixture. That's true. So I see what you're saying. Yep. So then you're you're depressed. You're unmotivated. I'm depressed. And and you're in like in a you're in a weird place in your career where Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what to do at this point. So then Wayne Barrow calls. Yeah. Yo, we got this big for you. We got this gig for you. I'm like, what gig? We want you to DJ for a girl we, we're managing. What's her name? Her name is Queen Pen. Oh, wow. So I end up going on a road with Queen Pen. Now, she's another Brooklyn legend, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I end up going on a road with her. And she has parties a party. Yo, no? it's lit. Yeah. I'm having a whole different good time with her because it's like I'm around nothing but women. <laughs> she always She always ran... She ran with like 20, 30 girls. Right. You know what I'm saying? All the time. So I'm like, what the fuck? This is better than hanging out with C's. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> and then she was just different. You know, like different where like, she, she would take the food stamps. I know it sounds retarded, but she would take food stamps and she would throw them in the crowd to all the mothers who didn't have money. Mm. And it was just like a thing. I was like, wow, this, I've never seen that before. Oh, that's crazy. Not dollar bills, the, food the, stamps. The booklet. The booklets they before like, before they were EBT cards yeah, 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 yeah. were created. <laughs> Google it. The actual, we'll put a yeah, picture here. <laughs> that's it. So that was ill, her doing that. But then I got to I got to hang out with Teddy Riley a little bit more. Mm. Teddy Riley gifted me a pair of... Uh, CDJs or some shit. He's like, enough. Forget about this instant replay machine, bro. This is the future right here. And he hands me a pair of, uh, I don't know if they were Sony or Pioneer. I forgot what number it was, but it was the first time I've ever seen a CDJ. Damn. 
And I was like, oh, shit. He goes, you're not going to have no more skipping problems. Mm. This is it, bro. <laughs> this is it. So I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and you start, you were using that? Yeah. I kept them. Wow. For a long time. So then you, you're with Queen Pen, and then where does it transition to Hot 97? Because in 1998, yeah. that summer, Queen Pen does Summer Jam. Mm. So I'm doing Summer Jam now with Queen Pen. The program director, while I get off the stage, is like, hey, I want to talk to you. I say, yo, Tracy, stop fucking playing games and hire me already. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling her, stop playing games. You know you want me. Just hire me. Stop playing hard again. Because, to be honest with you, the old program director of KISS FM was, was coming back out. And they were getting ready to relaunch either KISS or BLS. So that was probably my way of getting back on radio. Mm. And she knew that. And then she heard me do a party on 14th Street in the Meatpacking District one time, mm-hmm. and it was, I body this party. This is when I Can Love You was out mm-hmm. by Mary J. Blige and Kim. I remember killing this party, and she was like, and this is the funniest shit. So the program director goes to Cypher Sounds and says, yo, I'm trying to hide this dude. He's amazing. He's Biggie's DJ. You ever heard of him? DJ enough. They're all laughing. They're like, yeah, that's our guy. Yeah, He's yeah. been down with us for years. Mm-hmm. So she thought she was bringing like this new guy yeah, yeah. into the fold. Like she scouted you. She recruited yeah, you. Yeah, all that. <laughs> found the diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. But that was a good time, man. So thank you to Tracy. We call her Ice Queen. Ice Queen, yeah. Ice Queen. Tracy and Queen. then so you were on Hot 97. Yep. August of 98. August of 98. That's it. That's when I started. Crazy. Still there. Still there. 26 years later. 26 years. When you go back and you remember, is there any kind of like pivotal moment where you think back where you like broke a record or you really made a name for yourself? Um, There was too many of those to, 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 to count. Too many? But some, I'm going to tell you like weird ones. Okay. Like me playing Nalls Barkley mm. for the first time on yeah. the radio. The crazy record? Yes. And Angie Martinez is my partner at the time. Yeah. She's interviewing Mary J. Blige. And then, then when when the interview's over, I see Mary in the corner while I'm playing the crazy record. And she is breaking her neck. Like, what the f- <laughs> like 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 breaking her neck. Yeah. And then she comes then she comes out the studio and she's like, What the fuck is that? I'm like, this is Nas Barkley, the 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 CeeLo guy, the CeeLo Green dude. She's like, What? And she's like, So it was those moments where I realized that even though we were a hip-hop radio station, yeah, I was trying to teach my listeners that sometimes there is something more than just hip-hop. You did that, that, a, you did that a lot, though. Yeah, so that's the thing that we're trying to do. I remember I, you playing, like, I could be wrong, but I remember you playing, like, Bob Sinclair records or, like, even... All the some, time, yeah. yeah. But we were hearing on Hot 97. Like, and, hold on, those records? Yeah. I played them just all the time. But you were the first, like, you were one of the only ones really trying to cross that boundary and bring, like, you, you knew that it was popping in the clubs and it was popping in, you know... You know what it was? Yeah. At that particular time, when I was doing that stuff, it really was just a, a tale of the backyard I was in. So, like, I would think of all the clubs. I don't care if it was... Bungalow eight, or if it was fucking the sheets and pillows and beds and all all these clubs that we had in the city at the time, mm-hmm. it was just a it was a soundtrack. Right, that's all it was. 
That's all it was. It was that simple. It was in the streets, and then you all the just, time you wanted to just put it on That's the radio. It. He being real modest, but he broke a lot of records. That's it. You know, he broke a lot of records. And I mean, even the Kanye shit. The Kanye, yeah, being a heavy hitter. Kanye, that's a heavy crazy. hitter. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So we were we were paying attention. As other DJs, we were like, okay, he's playing this on the radio. I can play this shit in the clubs because if he's playing on the radio, we know we're not gonna look crazy playing in the clubs. When, when you go for it, right? When I go for it, it's not. I'm not gonna be crazy. But I need to ask you about the J Electronica record. What's up with that? Which one? Which one? Exhibit C. What about it? It was a controversy <laughs> about you playing that record. Well, because I broke it. This is what I'm saying. Just Blaze didn't find out about it too on, on the radio. Right. Remember that? I do remember that. Wait, can you can you can you like recount it for us a little bit? I don't remember it, but Just Blaze was the first one. It was that and the React record. But you were getting heat from it, right? Not heat, but just because Janet uh, Just Blaze had produced that record, right? And he didn't know how it got out. And right. I remember she was all over Twitter at the time, right? She was. But was it like Goldie? Weren't you telling me that the, the thing was? It was at a time when this was a lot of Snap records was out, yeah, and then it was like a little bit of a divide. Because it was, J Electronica is pretty much a backpack record. Yeah. Or they were calling it a backpack record. Yeah. But it was a really hip-hop record. But Enough was playing it on a mainstream station, yeah. like Hot And prime time. Prime time. Yeah. So now it's like, yo, the girls don't want to hear that. You know, it's, 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 um... Just it was just a different time at that time. Yeah. For having those type of records going on. But you uh, remember that was going, yeah. that was my boom bap influence. Like it, yeah, yeah. it always creeps up. We always go through that. Yeah. But you was on the radio kind of you telling me he was on the radio kind of like, yo, I'm gonna play this shit. I don't give a fuck what y'all say, kind of shit. Energy. You was like, I'm I'm gonna play it anyway. Kind <laughs> no, of the shit. shit on Twitter that was controversy wasn't yeah. that. It was a Nas record. So <laughs> I had posted something on my feed. And I was questioning and doubting my my reason for not playing yes, it. Yes, I remember. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the whole entire industry fucking got at me and disrespected me. That's the one. So I said, yo, if the beat is fire and he's spitting lyrics, then why the hell am I not playing it? Mm. And I, I posed that to myself on my own timeline. Yo, the Alchemist shitted on me. Tony Touch shitted on me. Every, all my friends who I thought were my friends, they all shitted on me. What Nas records was it? I'm I forgot, to... bro. No. The only person that, that stood up and fought for me was Questlove, Black Thought, and guys like that. I think Q-Tip and a few others. Do you know, remember what year it was around? around? Damn, bro. Damn. I'm trying to... We got to know what Nas record this is. I feel I like. forgot, bro. Because I know I was, it was a little little rumble about the, the Exhibit C shit because of what was being played on Hot 97 at that time. And Enough was like, I'm playing this record. And he was like, I'm playing this record. And it was like, I'm breaking this record. Yeah, probably. I think it was something that what, uh, what Jay Electronica said in the record as well. Oh, because he just uh, he was New York was New York, New York was saying New York's using down south slang now mm -hmm. or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think that was the that's all it was because that was the talk shit. Kind of like Fifty was kind of like well, everyone said that Fifty kind of started popping and he was doing his thing when he came back because he was kind of flowing like he was like he had a south flow a little bit his voice a little bit. Was it that or no? Nah. Or oh, was it like Dipset? I don't know. No. Matter of fact, E, how do you feel about this? Could've so been, do you agree with this or how do you feel about it from just your point of view? 
Do you feel that 50 divided New York or he was the cause of people not working with each other as such and whatever when he came out? I mean, I don't know. That's a weird question. I know I know the beef shit was real. I know that. Right. So that's probably what people were afraid of. You know, you're talking about a guy who got shot nine times and still around. Mm-hmm. Any record executive is afraid of, afraid of that guy. <laughs> right? Mm. Um, I remember Ja Rule had me in the van outside of BT. Oh, shit. Like, yo, don't fuck with that dude, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't know how to feel. Because I was supporting 50 early also. I was like playing the mixtape shit on the radio. I was playing. The crazy part is you'd be surprised of how much shit I didn't know was going on. Like the whole murder. Yeah. I don't believe. I was playing that on the radio. Right. I had no idea. It was a disc record. It was a disc record. I had no idea. I'm just aware. (laughs) I'm happy I'm playing a record. Right. That's it. Sometimes you don't understand the subliminals or the shit that's going on. You're just playing music. So when you played that, were you getting a call from Irv or, or, or no? No, nah. I mean no, but 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 Fifty's team was happy, right? They thought I was crazy, but it was fun. You so like, I don't know what what, what would you say was the most hectic time for you in High ninety seven when dudes came up to the radio station with guns and they're ready to shoot shoot me. I'm like, what's happening here? Mm. You know, like official dudes were coming to the station, like yo, we run Brooklyn, son. Don't get it twisted. And they got pistols out. But what did they? What did they? What did they beefing with you about? What were they? Upset they just about? want you to know that they they run Brooklyn. That's it. They weren't. They're not beefing with me because I did something to them. It's just sometimes who you hang out with or who you're with. You know, they they, they try and check that. Like, oh. yo, be careful who you hang out with, homie. Like, you know that kind of shit. Wow. Oh shit. Some so, shit. so then like, at that time, I was doing the afternoons, or I would think I was just doing mornings still. And I'm like, yo, this can't happen. This is my job. And then we got security for the first time on the seventh floor because it was only downstairs. So if they got past that, if they got past them, mm-hmm. once they got upstairs, done deal. We done. Is yeah. that before the fifty shooting that happened downstairs? Is that before the or after the fifty shooting that happened downstairs? <laughs> <The game? laughs> Man, I don't know. That's it. That. <laughs> There's too many shootings, bro. <laughs> that ain't the only one. There's a 51. The there's little a Foxy Kim one. Brown, little Kim one. There's I think the little Kim one was uh, the, the straw that broke the camel's back yeah, sure. with, with Hot 97. For sure, bro. For sure. But yeah. he's a veteran, so he's been there. He's he's seen a lot. I mean, summer jams. I know just being at the summer jams got to be hectic. And now, what, you got, what, 25 in? That too. 25. 25, 25, 26. 26, yeah. 26. Because I feel, I always heard the summer jams was like, that was when you couldn't play this record because this 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 person was performing. They could be there. Yeah, I would talk to Big Ben, and he always said, "Mr. He always like Mr. C always murdered it." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I he always did." I I just want to be right there with Mr. C and keep that energy up. And then after a while, enough was fucking hosting. He would come yeah. out and, and and introduce motherfuckers. But it's always like some drama happening because one person's not getting along with the other, and always beef. Always something. And how do you like y'all just ready for that after like after? You gotta be the- ready for it. The year Nas wanted to fucking lynch Jay-Z on stage. That was crazy. The program director says, we're not doing that. Are you kidding me? Did you see that? You're going to try to do a lynching I was there of a black man on stage in front of the hip-hop, whole entire hip-hop culture? That's not happening. And honestly, I know, I know where Nas was coming from. He wanted, to, he wanted to just knock him out because Jay, the previous year, knocked him out. Yeah. 
and but the lynching, I think that was too much. Like we're not doing that. The lynching thing. That was like such a weird time in New York. So Nas doesn't perform. Yeah, he runs to Power One Hundred Five. He's talking about us on the radio over there. I'm literally on stage, bringing out and, Ja Rule because Ja Rule was next. No, no, after that. no. That's not what happened. Ja Rule did come out. He was the last person to perform that. Night. I know, but we. What, what I'm trying to tell you was I got Dipset to perform in place of Nas. Got it. Because mm. they were just hanging out in the crowd on, on the corner. So I told the, the, the program director, I said, look, I know Nas ain't performing, but if you need someone to fill, look, the Dipset dudes is right there. She was like, well, if you can get them to perform, let's get it going. I go to Jim and them. I said, Cam. I said, yo, Nas ain't performing. You want to get on the stage and rock out for us and show them how it's done? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and then... It happened. Put the battery in their back. That's it. That's it. You got to do that sometimes. So, like, yo, like I remember that time in New York where it was, like, it was hectic. But it was also kind of, like, like it was low-key one of the greatest times for, like, New York radio. Because it was, like, we were just tuned in to High 97. Everything was happening. And Everything. we were just listening to every, like, <laughs> you know, we were listening to The Takeover. We were listening to Ether. And you guys were just playing that. I remember it was like, I probably like with Angie Martinez, y'all were just playing that back to back to back yeah. and then talking about it. And we were just listening to we it. We used to have round tables and we had a whole voting thing on who was the king of New York and who who won the battle. Yeah. And then that's when the phone calls would come in. It was like, Nas, Jay, Nas, Jay. And we would literally tally every every vote. And we try to do it as honest and straightforward as possible. Yeah. And the Nas shit really won. Really? What did you think it won? I think Nas won that. Really? Yeah. And Mr. C said Brooklyn because he was from Brooklyn. <laughs> I late thought Jay-Z won. And then uh, Jay-Z, Jay-Z was like, I was like, Jay's probably mad at me. He goes, nah, if I was mad, I would have tripped up enough on the way into the building. <laughs> so I was like, he was mad. And then me and Jay, I, I don't care what nobody says, me and Jay were never the same after that. Really? I felt like, nah. Because I remember, I remember early when Jay was like becoming the president of Def Jam at the time, he had those conversations with me like, yo, bro, I need your help. You are one of the premier DJs. You know, I got this position. I got to look good. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, like he was... That guy, you know. And then after that, I feel like I never talked to him again. Wow. That's all. Wait, did did you like, what did you feel about Super Ugly? Did you feel like? It was all right. It was all right. You know what the problem was? Yeah. That's the problem. The problem is that you're basing two, three different songs. Mm -hmm. And then there was the Nas Ether record. And then Super Ugly was something different. Right. You know, but if he was to like pair up Takeover versus Ether. I would take Takeover all day. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <clears throat> the fact of the matter is that Nas came out with a record, H to the Izzo, that was before he came out with Ether. So really, that was supposed to be the record that went up against Takeover because that was mm. his response. But then he waited till the album came out and put on Ether. And then after Super Ugly came out, and then it was like Super Ugly versus Ether, it wasn't really that battle. It was right, really right, the Takeover right. versus Ether. You know right, what I mean? Right, 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 right. Yeah, because uh, I remember like the it was like the battle kind of ended after Super Ugly because like J like I think Jay took it back right. He said his, yeah, his mom, his mom, yeah, was embarrassed and shit like that, yeah. and everything happened. I want to fast forward to now because we we were kind of talking about this. 
And you know, like with New York hip hop in the state that it is, mm-hmm. you know, like Ice Spice is the is the biggest, one of the biggest rappers out right now, yep. repping New York. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we've been hearing like her production with Riots mm-hmm. and everything, and your relation with the producer Riots. That's my son. That's your son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, I, I was taken back when I found that out. Yeah. You know, nobody was, knows that, right? I was like, yo, Good. nobody they don't knows need to know this it. shit. <laughs> like, your contribution to hip-hop is even in a different level that I your know, son is doing something. My like. son is killing it. Wait, wait, why do you want to keep it low? Because, you know, sometimes what we forget is that our kids have to live in our shadows. Right. And we don't want that for our kids. If you want true success for your child... You don't want him living under my shadow at any way, shape, or form. Mm. I don't want that. So I want him to get his own merits, his own flowers and everything based on him doing what he's supposed to be doing. That's it. Yes. Not because I'm his dad. How old is he right now? 23. 23? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for shouting wow. out my son no problem. When, when he was born. No problem. I remember that. That was a, a big, awesome. big deal. <laughs> Shout out to my son. But he's 23 and he has hit records. Yes, sir. Stop playing with him, Ryan. You thought I was killing you? That nigga a munch, nigga either he ate it for lunch. Bitch on my body, I get what I want. Like you thought I was feeling you? No, I was feeling you. Stop playing with him, right? My body gon' get what she like. So what's your sign? Cause I like you. Got a place we can stay for the night, but I'm too shy to invite you. You got a gangster vibe, and I want a gangster boo. One of a dangerous kind. I'm trying to see how a gangster move. Like damn, she in her mood. 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 She lit, get money too. Like damn, she in her mood. Stop playing with them, right? And I'm bad like the Barbie. I'm a dog, but I still wanna party. Pink felt like I'm ready to bend. I'm a 10, so I pull in a can. Like Jazzy, Stacy, Nikki. All of the Barbies is pretty. All of the Barbies is bad. It girls, and we ain't playing tag. Wait, wait, when did, when did you start seeing that he had the production bug? His mom called me one day and said, Hey, your son got a show. Like, you know, show where? <laughs> in Williamsburg, I'm picking him up now. I'm like, yo, he's 15 years old. Wow. He can't even get inside the club. What are you talking about? But my son was already performing. Mm. My son raps, but I don't think people know that. So I think I think maybe that's where the input with the Ice Spice thing kicks in. Maybe he helps with the writing. Maybe he helps with the, I'm not too sure what, you know, I don't get into that business like that, but I'm just super proud of him. And when I see him do his things, I, I fucking I get teary eyed and I, I just don't know how to act. But how do you find out about Al Spice? How do you find out about this? Like, how do you hear the record? Because my son and the girl, they both graduated from the same college. Um. And then I bought him a brand new laptop when when I was in need of a laptop. And I bought him the super fast, the high end, mm. the, the, the fly ass laptop. <laughs> So uh, he makes all his beats off that laptop I bought him. So it was a great investment. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, as DJ Enough, how do you find out about the Ice Spice record? He sends it to me. He he just sends it to you? Like, yeah. I check, this out. check this out. Tell me what you think. Yeah. So what, what which she, record did you hear? Like Clarity or anything? No, no. My first record I ever played on her was, I think it was a Bully Freestyle. And then there was a record In the Name of Love or Name of Love. Or the, like yeah, that. yeah. That shit. That was my, I was, wow. that was my shit. But were you, was he like showing you his beats before? Like, yo, what you think yeah. of this? What do you think? Yeah. Because you seem kind of detached I from have, it. I have some of the beats. Yeah. And I, I you know, what it did there. Yeah, because it's not it's not a DGNF thing. It's a Riot thing. Mm. 
I'm clear on that. So he's yeah. not asking you to come to the studio or check no, this out? No. He's not telling you, yo, no, what do you think of this crazy. beat? Should I play this? No, he's doing him. That's dope. That's that's dope. Yo, that's really shouts dope. to him, bro. Mm-hmm. That That's incredible. So then when, when uh Thought I Was Feeling You pops off and it goes viral, mm-hmm. I remember when I saw that video mm-hmm. and I didn't know who the fuck Ice Spice was or anything. Mm-hmm. The second I saw that video, I was like, that's going to be a hit. Yeah. That's going to be a hit. But- yeah. How did you how did you hear about it? Like when you start when it started bubbling, because I remember that summer, it was like 2021, 22? 21, 22 is one of those. Mm-hmm. It was like it just okay. popped off. It did was you, everywhere. Did you when you saw it and you when you heard it, did you think it was gonna pop? Yeah. And then when you just saw the video come out and it just started bubbling on Instagram and yep. everywhere. And then all my friends are saying, yo, this high spice. And I'm laughing because in my head I already know about Ice Spice. Yeah, <laughs> she's at the she's at the crib. She's chilling. I, I already know about Ice Spice. I'm clear. I just, I didn't know she had the skills though. I didn't know not until later. Like it's ill. Else. You think about it, it's like him. Him like he's got to process it through as a parent, right? Yeah. Like you're a parent and you listen to your kids' music, but it's still your music, right? It's it's a ill you know dichotomy. You know what I mean? But it's, like, it's interesting because it's like you're giving him this freedom, right? right? And you're not, I feel like a lot of parents would get more involved mm-hmm. and they would try to guide and steer it, no. you know, and control yeah, it. Yeah, I guide him other ways with finances, yeah, yeah. with doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. When he says, Dad, tell me a good place I could go vac- vacate at. I'm like, I got you. You know, like, that's, that's, that's how you help Right. Him. That's dope. But is there certain things that he asks for? He's like, yo, can you do this? And you're like, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, I can't do that. Nah. No, he's not asking for favors for me. The only thing I think that he realized was in the very beginning, what I was trying to teach him was about radio. Yeah, and now he needed to be involved with radio, because whether you guys know this or not, when you're a producer or you're a writer of music, radio still reports to Billboard, and without those reportings going to Billboard, he's not going to be the number one producer or the number one writer. Right. So then he then he came back around. I was like, Dad, I need you. So I was like, Yo, bro, I'm here. I never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's almost like. As a father, you have to sometimes let your kid fall down right. before you actually pick him up. That's the hardest thing. That's though, the right? hardest part. That's mm-hmm. the hardest part. It is. But I'm That's super crazy. proud of him because he's just, he's killing it. Oh, he's crushing. He makes a whole lot of fucking money. He's rich. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's great, bro. It's great. That's I dope. love it that you still take it as a fan. Like, you take the mu- his music as a fan. Like, you just wait till something drops or premieres, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, That's it's it. kind of a crazy moment for you because as a DJ... You're like, oh, great music I can play, but also it's like mm-hmm. your kid. Yeah. That's incredible. But it's also like in this in this era that we in where nepotism is so strong. Mm-hmm. You know, like every parent is putting their kid on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's like it's honestly how a lot of motherfuckers are getting put on now. There's actually that. nothing wrong with you know? that though, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Shit. Anybody would have the opportunity to do something for somebody that they love, they would do it. But mm, it's a yes or no kind of thing. I think yeah. I'm in the I'm in the middle it's, of it. But he's earning it. He's getting fucking. No no no. Like I'm he's saying, doing his shit. Like no. I'm, I'm saying shit. I'm saying that enough is kind of letting him. Kind yeah. Of, like, you giving him the freedom to build his own name yeah. Yeah. and do it to. on his own. Yes. Kind like, of knowing that it can't be like well, because you know I feel like motherfuckers will automatically talk shit like. Yo, enough. She's an industry plant, or like you know, enough. I've is heard, behind, I've is heard behind the scenes and everything, everybody. right? Nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I yeah. love that he doesn't like that. He when he said it, it's not an enough thing; it's a riot thing. That's, yeah, that's it. That tells me everything. That's it. 
out of cash. That's dope. That's Super. He kind of did the Latino dad thing though. He's like, "Yo, go fail." Yeah, Go fuck up a little bit, and then we'll, we'll help you fix it along the way. The special part about this is like your legacy has got a whole another couple of decades now. A hundred percent. You know, yeah. you, you're hitting a whole nother age group. That's it. Because of this. Mm-hmm. It's fucking beautiful, yo. Yeah. I think so. It really is. It's awesome. Uh, before we, we're we going to wrap it. I don't want to keep you any longer. I, you know, no, it's all good. You guys are buying dinner. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you look back on like your career, like from where you are right now, uh-huh. right now, what is your absolute proudest moment? Probably seeing my son. Mm-hmm. That's great. Wow, that's beautiful. And you, and it's like, and the whole thing is like, it's just getting started too. Yeah, just seeing him is everything. I lose my shit when I see him do his thing. I saw him DJ at the uh, Doja Cat concert. He opened up for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, I don't ever remember teaching my son how to DJ. I taught his friend, his best friend how to DJ. His best friend teaches my son how to DJ. See how it all goes full circle? That's crazy. Shit. So I'm like, oh shit. And then I'm like, and he's doing it. I'm watching my son DJ and I I'm like, man, he's doing it and doing the music up. Yo, what's up? He's talking on the mic. I'm like, oh shit, that's my guy. <laughs> so that's that's my proudest moment. Is there is there anything that you um maybe knowing that your son's starting his career and he's going into this and and you've seen everything happen in hip hop, everything happen and You've seen everything happen in radio and the music industry. Is there anything, is there like one message or any warning that you give him or any like, is there any fear that you have that you just don't Um, want to have? The only fear I got is I want to make sure he spreads his love of his production to other artists and to other people. That's it. That's it. I want to make sure he spreads himself out so that he's not just, his eggs aren't just in one basket. That's it. And just stays like versatile, kind of like, and keeps it open and free. Amazing. Because it doesn't last forever. Look at the greats. They all We all thought they were going to be here forever, right? A lot of them ain't here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Enough. Crazy, thank you. Thank you so much for Not a coming problem, through, bro. man. This was dope. No, no. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, like, we appreciate it, man. Honestly, I wish I could have you back maybe. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can talk a little bit more. We'll figure it out. I'm down. Yeah, yeah. Club killer DJ enough. Yeah. Yeah, I just had to give him props because in the clubs... He was a problem. Nasty. We didn't even get into the clubs at all. Yeah, I was yeah, trying to save. Of, I was trying to save himself. I know. You know, there has like to be yo, a part people, know, people know the radio, so they don't know how bad this motherfucker was in the club. He was nasty. I can yeah. just imagine. Yeah. But yo, enough. Thank you so much. Yo, quiz. Thank you. Go, Goldfinger. Thank you so much. Enough. No problem. I feel, I, this is like a legendary episode. For Let's me. do it again, bro. I'm here. You here? Yep. yep. We can do a part. A part two. 100. percent Let's run it. Don't, all right, DJ. It. Enough. Thank you so much. No problem. Hey. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. <laughs> I'm on the road. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.